Welcome back to the Akatak Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Adult Swim, Jay. And joining us always my co-host, the strangest 11 minutes of television you've ever watched, <laughs> Z. How are you doing today, Z? I'm doing pretty good. You a big Adult Swim fan? No. No. Not really, if I'm being completely honest. You don't like, I'm like, I'm trying to even think. You don't like Mr. Pickles or Super Jail? Well, so like, if you're talking Adult Swim originals, I feel like I've never even like watched a single one. I think. Other than like Rick and Morty. Hey, Rick and Morty. There's like a bunch of like the really weird ones. They, like, like Family Guy would be on Adult Swim, kind of, right? Was it? No, because it's not. It's, that's like, I don't even know. Then, yeah, I feel like I. It's Fox. You're right. I feel like I watched some things on Adult Swim before, but I can't even. King of the Hills on Adult Swim. Okay, King of the Hill. No, this is Family Guy. This is like a Family Guy. Oh, yeah. So I feel like I would watch uh, at times, like Family Guy and South Park, and so I think it's obviously not theirs, but I think they get like. You know, you know how syndication works. Yeah, you like just it. pay for it and you get to have it. Mm. So there, oh, perfect. What no, a great that weird shit. Like, what's what's the Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Aqua Teen Hunger Force is a classic. I never watched that one. Um, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. That's like a weird. That's a live action. It's not animated. But yeah, there's a couple live action. There's one where awesome. they're weird a hospital. Some kind of weird hospital one. I don't know that one. Probably weird hospital or there's like there's like the Xavier Hero. Something. There's like one that's like made in like a Unity engine. It's like Children's Hospital, I think it is. Yeah, Children's Hospital. But it's like weird, you know? Oh, of course. Some of them, are, some of them get too weird. Like well, that's what you, yeah. The animation styles are too weird. Like, it's too much for me. They're just kind of unnerving. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of gore and... I remember Toonami. I definitely caught, like, Naruto Shippuden once on there. I never really watched... Only on, like, sleepovers. My friend my friend with the TV on. would be like, oh, Toonami's on. But then I would just do whatever. I would just be on my iPod or my phone or whatever. You didn't like Toonami. I wasn't a big Toonami guy. I didn't really watch. Do you Toonami. like anime and stuff? I do, but I never really watched Toonami. Not then. I was too busy getting viruses on my computer to do that <laughs> Fair on my laptop. That's that's what I. That's really what, what my cup of tea. I've was. told you this before, but it's it's where I've watched the only episode of Naruto Shippuden I've ever seen, or at least that I can recall with any distinction. <laughs> they all kind of blur together. And it was this one where this guy's he's, he can control people like puppets, but I think his grandma's there. Yes, I know you're talking. Uh, that's not like his grandma, him. but okay, it, there's yeah. a grandma. Involved. That's sorcery. He's like an evil ninja. He turns himself into a puppet, and she gets him. I think they so. get him. Yeah, they get him right in his heart, and he's like, "Oh fuck!" They get him with his mom and dad puppet. Okay, yeah, she gets him. So I was like, "You go, grandma." I was like, "Oh, the gra- go for the grandma. <laughs> Give him the old and something <laughs> so, to do." I remember the whole time, I'm like, "Where the fuck's Naruto?" <laughs> <laughs> I think he's dying at this point. Oh, is he? I think in that arc, he's I mean, like, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't know any of that, but I'm just like, I'm punching fucking Naruto. Where's Naruto? Oh, no, I think he's somewhere. I think he's saving Gar. The point is, he wasn't in the episode. Yeah, he wasn't in the episode. And I'm watching a show called Naruto Shippuden, and I, there's no Naruto. No Naruto so. or Shippuden. None of those characters were there. I don't know what that means. How's that go? Is Naruto Shippuden like a, a sequel series? Or, it's not like a redo. No, it. They, I don't know why they called it that, because in the manga, there's like the first part one of Naruto, which is like when he's like a kid, like yeah, 12, 13, yeah. and then there's like a three-year time skip, and when he becomes like 16, His 17. has got more black in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's Shippuden, but and they don't make the distinction in the manga, it's just all Naruto, but mm-hmm. in the anime, they distinguish, like, Naruto is, like, when he's a kid, and Shippuden when he's, like, a teenager. Because there's, like, eight versions of Dragon Ball, right? And some of those, are some of those remakes, where they start doing the same stuff again, or is it all just... No, it's oh, all, it's like, not? different oh, okay. offshoots. So there's Dragon Ball, when he's a kid, and there's Dragon Ball Z, which is the most famous one, and then it splits, and there's Dragon Ball GT, which is, like, only What's anime. What's Dragon Ball Z Kai? Oh, no, that is a remake, I forgot. That is a remake. Oh. That's, like... It's like uh, redone visuals and like the voice acting's re recorded mm-hmm. and it's like cut for it's like shortened to be like oh, efficient, good. no filler. It's too, it's too long. Right? Yeah, because because obviously in the original it's like to fill time, but in this one they like trim it down. 
Incredible. And there's GT and Super, and there's a whole cavalcade. And then the movies, which are canon, but some of them aren't. And so it's canon to what? The main story of Dragon Ball Z and Super. Because Super is canon. Some of the movies aren't even canon to the anime? Uh, most, most, most movies aren't. Most anime movies about a series aren't canon. What? There are some that are, but some that aren't. It really, really? depends. What about that one that just came out? That one's canon. Well, what was that? that Dragon Ball superhero. There was an, but no, I was, there was another anime movie that just maybe it was Tokyo Ghoul. Was it Tokyo Ghoul? Movie? Ju- I think it was Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Maybe it's that. That one is canon. canon. <laughs> no, incredible. Because that's ba- well, that's based on already existing material. Like it's not like a new story. That's the thing about movies is that like they don't adapt. So why why is that? Uh, I, I don't know. Is it to like get new people on board? Uh, yeah, I think it's to be like here's all the characters you know and to get them on board. Okay. Because usually oh, it, it's a Demon Slayer one. Oh, the the Demon Slayer movies I think are based on arcs of the manga. It's uh, in Japanese. So. Yeah, it's all the, the. I don't know how to say. It. No one does. It says to the Swordsmith Village. Maybe that's it. Anyway, it's a six and a half on IMDb. Yeah, the Demon Slayer fans probably like, oh my god, it's so great. You you uh, never seen Demon Slayer. Famously, don't care for Demon Slayer. I'm, Which one do you hate? Is it Tokyo Ghoul? I like Tokyo Ghoul. Oh, which one do you hate? I don't like Tokyo Ghoul Ray. The sequel series of Tokyo Ghoul. That one falls off the rails. It does not get good. I know you don't like. I dropped that one. Attack on Titan. I'm not a big Attack on Titan guy. They're just. They don't spoil Attack on Titan for those listening. I've done that before accidentally to people. Oops. <laughs> to Jeff. I've, to, I've spoiled. Tw- on two separate occasions, I've said a, a plot detail of Attack on Titan, and he's gone, Why would you tell me that? I You just spoiled me on that. Oops. And I've gone, Oops. <laughs> he's, and then he went, This is the second time you've done that. Why would you do this to me? Well, what are you going to do? Not That's really a ta- little preview for next week. We're going to talk about anime. Yeah, we're talking about Attack on Titan. We're going to watch all of Attack on Titan. <laughs> Not Attack on Titan. You might like Attack on Titan. It's the least, like, cringe anime one. It's the least cringe anime. It doesn't have a bunch of... I don't, I you think, don't so? think it does. Cause, like, it's, that makes sense, yeah. It's pretty, like... Seen. It's like a like adult teen. It's like I get a, what you mean. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes like, sense. People are dying and shit, getting eaten. It's a bit weird, though. It doesn't make any sense, like, how, how it all works. Like, why are they flying around like that? Because of the things they got. Yeah, but is that better? Like, if they can do that, I feel like they could do, you know, it's just like weird contrivance of like, this is the technology we have because it's cool. I guess that's fine, though. I mean, do what you're going to do. Yeah. But why are... do they have swords and shit? Like, well, I do. I, I do kind of know the reason, but I won't say the reason. Yeah, I, I know a little bit of things. All but right, anyway, anyways. Probably talk more about uh, that anime tangent than we will about the movie we're about to talk about. Sisu. This movie, our continuous of movie, not March, because it's April. Movie, February, March, and April. Movie marathon. We'd just be watching movies. Yeah, well, a new movie. We might watch new movie every week till we die. We'll see. I mean, I got that thing now, so I can see a, a, any movie I ever want forever for yeah. free. So, well, not free. I'm paying for it, but it's, you get it. Yeah. You know how it works. It's like free money. Money you've already paid for. Exactly. So you might as well use it. Exactly. Sisu was a, it's by the studio who did John Wick, like a John Wick kind of thing. That's why Lions by Studio. Yeah. That's what I framed it. I didn't know if it was like produced by people who made John Wick or just the studio is yeah. the same. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, it was definitely a... Lionsgate production. It? Yeah, but that's not what they, what they call it. Distributed? Oh, it's... I think it was distributed by Lionsgate. Hmm. Oh, my God. It just took me to a Wikipedia for the word Sisu. <laughs> it's untranslatable. They never say it. Not even once. This does have the vibe of... Yeah, I think it was probably purchased by... Uh, so it looks like Sony bought it for worldwide distribution and then Lion, teamed with Lionsgate to release in North America. Yeah, so it was. it's like a small film that was made in that part of the world okay it was shot in lapland so it was shot in finland actually well, very nice there you go the side of that uh and so we follow um do we ever hear uh, this guy and he's in finland at the end of world war ii and the nazis are starting to move their way out because they're being forced out by the russians 
and the Finns. Uh, and so they're adopting a scorched earth tactic, as the narrator tells us, um, where they're destroying everything in there. They come across a village and they destroy and kill everyone in it, and they just keep moving on, um, just fuck everybody over. And this old man is living out in the in the wilderness by himself, and he's panning for gold. He's a prospector, gold miner, uh, and then he's digging a bunch of holes. He finds a little piece of gold in the river, so he starts digging a bunch of holes around the river. And eventually, he finally finds a vein of gold. Now, how he finds it is a bit strange, because he digs one hole, and he's like, oh, there it is. And then he moves the lightest layer of dirt away all around him <laughs> to find all the rest of the vein. Yeah, it's very, well, it's very cinematic. Yeah. It's that part from Battle of Buster Scruggs, you know? It's like, yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, but that's, it's like the exact same gold miner type thing. Yeah. Um, and then he gets it all, and then, yeah, they're Nazis, and they, like, want his gold. And so that's the whole movie. Yeah. They're chasing him for his gold, and then, but he wants his gold, too. But he's got Sisu. Which is a an indomitable amount of courage. It can't be translated. feels like you just say courage. No, but it's like, I was yeah. reading about it. It's like, uh, the idea is, um, it's not just like momentary, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just like, you're courageous for a minute. It's like this idea that you just keep going and that it is like persistent, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, that makes it distinct. like zeitgeist, how that doesn't, like the how to describe it as like a whole sentence. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I always think like, I'm sure... We must have words like that too, right? I like to think so, at least. We wouldn't know, though. We, yeah, we wouldn't know. We don't translate words into out of English. Because everyone knows about like five different words that are like, oh, you can't translate that, you know? You can't translate Schadenfreude. You can't translate Sisu. There's probably like a bunch of, there's probably a million Japanese ones like that. Oh, absolutely. But then it's like, I'm sure we have some of those too. I'm looking up right now. According to Wikipedia, it says, Stoic determination, tenacity of purpose, great bravery, resilience, and hardiness, and is held by Finns themselves to express their national character. It is generally considered to not have a literal English equivalent in tenacity, grit, resilience, and hardiness um, because they do not imply stoicism or bravery. In contemporary psychology, it is known to have both beneficial and harmful sides, which can be measured using a designated scale. Okay. So, according to this list I just found, English words that can't be translated, awkward, jinx. What'd you say? Jinx? Jinx, the word jinx. Okay. Um, Shallow. How... In, like, uh, describing a person, you think? I think this is in, in relation to Fran- French. I think this is... Or... It I, can't I, be translated to French. In there's no direct equivalent well, that's in the thing, French. right? Because there's no way to say, like, this word can't be translated into any yeah. other languages, yeah. right? I mean, that's... Yeah. That's yeah. obviously a fool's game. So, I think... Awkward, it can't be directly translated in Italian. That's cool. Jinx can't be translated in Polish. Insight can't be done in Spanish. Sure. Nice. Um, that one's weird. I think because it's... Um, it's a lot of because co- it's it's one word that has that can be used a bunch of different ways according okay, to what okay. it's saying here. Okay, okay. Uh, put there's no direct equivalent in German. They don't say put. They say set, place, or lay. Feels like they're just using the same word. Then yeah. don't feel like that's off. Can't be done in French, I guess. Bully, Fortnite. It's a good one. And that's the end. I almost just read the next thing. It just says November 2019 update. Not <laughs> not a word. So there you go. So there's a couple words, I guess. There's a couple. None of them are as cool as Schoenfreud or Sisu, though. Or Zeitgeist. But there you go. Anyways. So yeah. I mean, this is another one. I've said, like, I've said this a lot with a lot of these movies we've been watching, but it's kind of exactly what it shows in the trailer, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of exactly what you'd expect. You get um, what you pay for. They definitely, yeah, they, they uh, drum up the John Wick Association in the marketing. And I've seen a lot of people do it in their reviews and stuff as well. I wouldn't actually say I felt very... Felt like this was very John Wickish. I mean, it's the idea of like there's a guy and he's determined and he's killing a bunch of people, but it's not really beyond that. I mean, is every movie like that a John Wick movie? I don't, I don't really get it. Cause like to me, John Wick is like more defined as well by the specific action and nothing he does in this is particularly 
mm-hmm. John Wicky, right? Yeah. He's not doing much of gun. Yeah, the gun foo. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tackle you, and then I'm gonna shoot you three times in the head and reload and all that. Like it's not like that. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of kill him with everything he's yeah. got. Yeah, it's a lot of melee and like yeah, exactly. It's a much more ingenuity, which is not really John Wick's thing. Yeah, John Wick is just like I have weapons and I'm gonna kill you with them very effectively. But again, in the sense that it's like, oh, I'm determined and I gotta, I gotta grudge. I'll get you. I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a cool ninety minutes, right? Which is which I think works in its favor. Absolutely, we say a lot. There's a lot of movies like this, which I think. Yeah, the premise and everything, it's it, its enough for a good 90-minute movie, and you don't need to go too far. Hmm. But then again, even you know John Wick 3, which we saw this year, was almost three hours long, so I don't know. John Wick 4. That's what I meant, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think three hours, or two, Jesus, hour and a half for this one, I think did it just fine. Yeah. I, anyway, maybe it could have been even a little shorter. Yeah, like a real brisk. Well, so here's the thing. I think, and I, and they, they've actually used this in the marketing since... I saw a, I, it might have even just been a random YouTube comment because they'll do that sometimes. Yeah, they'll, they'll just find a comment. They've been doing that a lot lately. But somebody was like, "Oh, this is the best." One of their commercials says, "Sisu has the best trailer ever," and it is a really good trailer. I would say it totally got me on board. Oh yeah. Um, and I think though it's kind of the thing, right, where the trailer has all the best parts in it, maybe. Like oh the, yeah, all the parts that are shocking and interesting. All the best kills in this movie, I think, are in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you get almost, you get like. I don't know, 80% of the enjoyment of watching this movie from watching the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And the only kill they don't, well, spoilers for Sisu in case anybody was really yeah. dying. The only kill, that, the only good kill they don't show is when. The very last the one? The very last one when he ties him to a bomb and he falls out of the plane. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised he can't fly a plane. He can. Can he? Because he flies the, uh, yeah, he flies the other one. He flies the jet, or it's not a jet, but he flies the fighter plane, so I would assume he can fly the big one. Yeah, I would have thought he would have tried to... I think it was because it was cra- It was already, like, fucked. Oh, I guess that's true. I don't know why. I don't know enough about planes, but if they stall like that, can you really fuck them up? Because the guy, the pilot was dying, and the thing, the engines were stalling, and then they exploded. I don't know why they just exploded, but I think if you, f- I think you can do that. Like, if you stall yeah. it wrong, it'll just you fall. can accidentally just break your fucking airplane, so... I guess that's true. You can't go up too far, because it'll just drop back down. Yeah. So that was... That was probably the most egregious part, right? Yeah, when he just surviving the plane crash for no reason. Yeah, especially because he's like in the front where it's nose diving, so he'd get crushed by all the stuff inside. And he like moved to the back. No, he was in the. I thought he was in the front. I thought he moved to the back on purpose. No. Either way, that's insane. Yeah, and then he just crawls out of the muck and the wet mud. He's yeah. like, I'm. But whatever, that's totally the point, fine. right? He can't kill him. Right? Yeah, he's got all that. He's got all the battle scars and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot like there's a lot of other stuff going on. They have all those girls they're dragging around to rape. Mm. And it's like that's did we need did we need that? See, I like that. I like that they get to kill them all at the end. That's that's good. That's fine. But I feel like I'm like, well, we're not getting any like. It's not about them. It's not their story. It's just like this guy passing through. I don't know. I feel like it adds stakes to the Nazis and like how shit they are. Because that's otherwise, true. we don't see the Nazis do enough bad stuff. Well, I mean, he like finds the so he sees the hanged people and stuff. Mm. And he sees the burned out town. So I guess those are pretty good as well. But it's just every you need to drive home how bad the Nazis are. Yeah. And he needs help. He needs he couldn't do it all on his own, right? Strictly, yeah, so. as much as he tried to, he needs help. So that's why they're there. Mm. I think that's cool. I like that part. I like but they again, can... it's in the trailer. It's one of the coolest shots in the movies when they're all just walking. They all just got guns now, and they come and they presumably do. God knows what. To... Oh no, they bring him back. They yeah, they bring him alive, it. don't they? But that's like one of the cooler shots in the, and it's just in the trailer. So mm. like, I got it. <laughs> again, yeah, I, I get the whole thing. Got the premise. There's the mind. Because that's in the trailer, you know, okay, the girls are going to get gun. They're going to like, yeah, nothing really bad is going to happen to them because mm. they're going to get the guns and turn them. Okay, I get it. And yeah, the mi- the one where he's throwing mines at people, it's all just in there. So 
I don't know. That was kind of my feeling. I guess, to be honest, I was a little disappointed by it. Yeah, I, I wasn't feeling... I was kind of, like, nonplussed about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're killing people. They did, the, the, like, a, the Quinn Tarantino thing where they're, like, full of blood. Like, they have 200% yeah. more blood than a human would have. Yeah. Like I said, the, the explosion ones were kind of crazy at times. The way dudes are blown apart. Mm. Um, the legs are flying off and, yeah, like, yeah. setting off the other mines. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Or when he's underwater... And he slits the guy's oh, throat yeah. and sucks the air. I was like, oh, Jesus. That's one of the more hardcore things. Yeah. I saw it with our with friend of the show, Colin, and uh, he's like, that's the hardest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then like 20 minutes later when he's like stitching himself up with like a fucking wire. Oh, yeah. I was like, he was oh. like, actually, that's the hardest thing I've ever seen. And then he's, he's putting gasoline on it to disinfect it. I was just it. like, that, I was just like, what? this is insane. Yeah, this is insanely hardcore. It's almost yeah. ridiculous. Or like, I thought it got a little, little too much. I, I let's spend a disbelief a little too far when like he props himself up on his wound be like all right this now i won't hang yeah that was and then weird. he bleeds for the entire night it's like well you'd run out of blood man you wouldn't have any blood left and you'd die of it like, you'd pass out from shock no don't you think that was more of like a flesh wound i mean they had to all be flesh wounds otherwise he would have died that's true i guess i guess because the, but there's like all that blood down his legs i'm like is but it, yeah i didn't really get that is either. that constant i thought he was gonna try to like put his foot up there and lift himself well, i think up. that is what he was trying and he like caught himself i feel like it yeah, did was that it might have been accidental even i mean i don't know how he survived as long as he even did though i mean they didn't hang him properly right yeah so he was just up there like strangling but even still like i don't know i don't know it's kind of weird i don't know if you can just live that yeah you can just, you can just tough out a rope around your neck but he did because he's Sisu. I guess because he got up there, he takes the pressure off, but also, at some point, isn't the rope itself just tight enough to just Cut choke the... you out anyways? Yeah. It'd be at least hard to breathe. Like, so you just be short on air and yeah, you hyperventilate. Whatever. But again, it's not narrowly supposed to, like, worry about it. Yeah. There's very minimal dialogue in this movie. Yeah, he doesn't talk at all until the end. Which is, I like that. That was a That's fun. That's cool, yeah. Like, when he's walking, he's all dirty and he's just, like, so hard to care about his goal. I don't even know his name, because... He's got a name, but then he's also got a code name, which means something else. And they call the immortal. The immortal, and Ru- it's Russian, though I think yeah. he's Finnish, but they, the Russians call them something in Russian because he I just like they just sent him out. They did that thing they do only in movies where they take like dangerous, like uh, loose cannon military officers, and just like all right, fine, just go kill people out in the forest. See, you say that, but I think this guy, and I read about it here as well. He's based off of a real guy. That Simu guy? Yeah, you know this guy. The sniper? Yeah. The White Death? Yeah, yeah. He's so 300 confirmed He did kills. that a lot. Oh, did he? He would just go out and kill... Yeah, oh. completely by well, himself. That's pretty cool, though. Because he was, like, crazy. It's a similar thing where it's just like, that doesn't make any sense, but we're just just fine. <laughs> go ahead, I guess. Go ahead. I, whatever. Just get the Russians out of our hair. Yeah, he's believed to have killed over 500 enemy soldiers. Simo Haya, the White Death. Damn. I think he got... I think at the end, he got wounded. He got his, like, jaw blown off. I yeah, thought. he's got a weird jaw. Not weird, he doesn't have a job. But no, I think he did a similar thing, just complete by himself, no one else. It's pretty hardcore, though. Came yeah, the him. Winter War was like that. Like, and they talk about it. That's what this guy. I mean, it's all part of broadly, right? The conflict mm. that comprises World War Two. Yeah, it was distinct because it's yeah, it was Russia ver- or the Soviet Union versus Finland, and they did like surprisingly well. I think they. I don't know what you say. I I think they still lost because I mean Russia got them. Right, but they. But then the Nazis came in, so it kind of. But ultimately, they did really good for what it was because Finland is a much smaller country than much the like, Soviet Union. Much like today. Yeah, kind of like today, yeah. Where they kind of, they, they basically punched above their weight class. Yeah. Let's see what we got. So the Soviet Union had like twice as many soldiers, but they lost like five times as 
Yeah, so it says the the uh, Finnish had seventy thousand total casualties, and the Soviets had three hundred twenty-one to three hundred eighty-one thousand total casualties. Oh, damn! Good job on the Finns. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I guess it was only three and a half months. So they did the Moscow Treaty, which they talk about in the in the opening thing. Yeah. 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 Soviet Union suffered severe losses and made little headway. But they're like, all right, fine. We'll sign a treaty with you guys. We'll stop invading. I mean, suffered demands. Yeah. So there. So they did it. Basically, they held their own and against them, and it was because of shit like that. Where like. They just knew what they were doing. But again, that's any kind of defensive war. Yeah, guerrilla warfare. It's the most effective, it seems. It says that the Soviets didn't even get camo for the winter. <laughs> so they were very easy to see. <laughs> they were in green. Oh, and Stalin had purged military experts as part of the Great Purge. So, <laughs> great. That's how it goes. Maybe. I'll get you. Yeah, maybe a dictator doesn't work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. Um. What else? Uh, there's like nothing else in this movie. Yeah, yeah, but I feel one thing I noticed. There was hey, so much gold. Did you think it was like an insane amount? There was of gold? A, a, I can't even comprehend how much gold that would be. How do those bags stay intact? Yeah, honestly, they should be like ripping themselves apart with that much gold in them. Yeah, jagged rocks. He, that might be like I don't even know. That might be like a million dollars of gold or something. It was so much. Wait, yeah, and they were big. Like, they were and the way they carry it, you, I don't know. Okay, let's see. What would you estimate? The way they were hefting those around, the, the easily forty pounds or something of. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, at least. Let's see, 50 LB gold. Current gold prices, 1940s gold prices. Yeah, okay, this is 59. Wait, what's a troy pound? What the fuck? Troy zone pounds? I don't even know who what a troy pound is. Okay, 50 pounds of gold is a million and a half dollars. I feel like it was 50 pounds. Okay, let's say 40. Right. Yeah, that's still over a million. Yeah. That was a lot of gold he had. And then 1940s money? Well... Proportionately, it'd be about the same. I guess it's true. Buying power, though. But he's he's in war torn Finland, so what's he gonna buy? Yeah, so he lives out in the. He do whatever he wants with it, though. Is he going back? What is he doing? When he go- is he go back out to his house through all that Nazi? He must have a house somewhere. I su- I assume that his house is out in the wilderness. So I don't know. I mean, where did he live with his family before they got Nazi? I don't know. Whatever. I mean, it's not. He so. just has a bunch of money. Yeah. Well, I guess he he just takes it out in cash. Yeah, he's like, give me just give me bills. That's want. pretty good, huh? Right. Yeah. Lighter oh, to carry. That's good. Not so heavy. He walked all the way back to that motorcycle, huh? Yeah, how far did he walk? It had to be miles that they And then he found they were the in a dog. Plane. Miles and miles. Yeah. They, they were in a plane. I mean, whatever. Found I mean, the he's dog. got Sisu, man. He's easy. Just found it eventually. We don't know how many days it took him to get there. So there you go. Like I said, I, I almost, I really do, if like you're on the fence, I would honestly say you could watch the trailer and pretty much be satisfied. You got it, yeah. Cause they don't have to sit <laughs> it's a really great trailer, I mean. It's a great trailer. And then you have to, like, don't have to sit through all the other trailers before this movie that are just like, there you go. whatever. I like at the end of the trailer when they yell Sisu. Yeah, but they don't say it in the movie. They don't, yell, they don't ever yell Sisu like that, so. Again, like all the best dialogue, because there's not much. So the scene where the girl is explaining to the Nazis what he is and what Sisu is, and it's like that's all in the trailer. And I'm like, that's one the of the backstory cool- they give him in the trailer. It's all just in the trailer. So did you think the second in command Nazi looked like John C. Riley? Yeah, a little bit. I, okay. they, there's a I couple of them well. that like kept tickling things in me. I'm like, who, who are you? Do I know who you are? Yeah. Also, sometimes when they would speak, I feel like their voices weren't, their lips weren't matching the things they were they saying. They might be ADR'd because yeah. It was like I said. It was made in Finland. The main guy, his name is Jorma Tamila, is actually Finnish. So right. So I'll just finish actor speaking f- Finnish. He's Finnish at least. Let's see. I like the chapters. This one had chapters. Oh yeah, chapters. Like a Quentin Tarantino movie. That, that was is fun. fun. So I don't know. Maybe everyone was Finnish. I mean, they were all speaking. So I guess when they spoke English, that was German. Yeah, it must have been. And when they spoke Finnish, it was Finnish. I guess, right? But it, it had to it makes sense to be there. 
because yeah, when the Germans are talking to each other, they're talking in English, and so I guess that's how it works. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, he speaks Finnish at the bank. So what the fuck? What do we know? I mean, that's just how you do a movie. I guess. Yeah. I guess they needed English speakers on some level. Although I can appreciate a movie sometimes where everyone's speaking the right language. Yeah. It's rare, but. That then pray. Yeah, we can pray. Yeah, exactly. It's rare. Most of the time they don't even bring up it at all. It's just like everyone's speaking to each other in English for no reason. Mm. Like, hey, we're all Chinese, but we're just speaking English, right? It's like, why? Why well, would do that? that would, you wouldn't do that at all. Um, yeah, anything else say about C? He's finished. Oh, he's finished? Um, um, I don't think so. Better or worse than Renfield? I guess better than Renfield. It was less offensive than Renfield. That's true. I really didn't like Renfield. Better or worse than The Covenant? Um, Probably about the same as The Covenant, I guess. Maybe like a, a little, little bit worse. worse to me. A little bit worse than The Covenant, yeah. Not as engaging, because again, no one talks. There's no like... I mean, he just wants to get his gold, which I guess is good, but it's also like, why does it matter? I don't know. I was waiting for more for him, right? Like, yeah. he's got the dead family and everything, but that's not really anything. You brought it up for like no reason. He just wants to, and he's gonna. He's, he at one point he's like, "I'm gonna bury the gold," and then he's like, "Actually, I won't. I am gonna get the gold." Okay, so he got his gold. That's cool. I mean, good for him. Yeah, I feel like you would have taken the roads that Nazis weren't taken, taking the different roads, avoid the Nazis. Yeah, I feel like I guess he was. I mean, he really wanted to get the gold back, but do do anything different because he sees all those planes flying over. Surely you know something's going down. Just hunker down for like another couple of days. What's yeah, going to happen? The, the They're go- not going to find you. People right? are always going to want gold. They're not going to find you, right? Yeah. But again, then the movie doesn't happen. So, And maybe it shouldn't have. <laughs> maybe. But no one's ready for that conversation. Uh, we already kind of ranked it in relation to movies that I watched. So when I could tack out, perfect. Well, I could tack out of this into, what should we do of our four other topics? Dark Tower. We're doing Dark Tower. Fuck it. Fuck it. Dark Tower. We ball. Finally. Probably the least relevant to anyone. The least relevant. Who gives... Fuck you, listeners. I don't care. Oh, I don't care. We do, we do the timestamps now, so... Yeah, we do the timestamps now. Figure it out. People still complain. My friends still complain the episodes are too long. I do the timestamps now. We do a lot Skip of- whatever you don't want to listen to. And if you want to listen to it, then how is it too long? If you're enjoying it, what's, what's too Why long? Why we'll have it end? People love having excuses. Play it on mute. Just give me the listens. Come on, guys. We've told you this before. Or just play it on mute. It's fine. You don't gotta listen to us. Everybody wins. So, Jack. That's what my grandma does. <laughs> does she really? My nana, well, my nana will like, yeah, I was like, she's like, you guys talk too fast for me. Oh, <laughs> You can slow it down, you know? I think I told her that, but. You can slow it down in the thing. She's like, yeah, I put him on me and then I play like three episodes in a row and I was like, oh, Nana, God it's bless fine. Her. She's listening. <laughs> so, Jack. But your grandma actually listens because she didn't like my James Bond takes. At least one your grandma. Yeah, well, she listened to that one at least and then yeah. we probably put her off forever because <laughs> she, lo- she loves James Bond as much as anything and she heard that and I was like, whoa, I I don't need to hear this in the video. Well, that's fine. I don't need. James, I don't need to hear this guy's opinions. I don't need James Bond lovers in my corner. I, I'll be honest. If if James Bond lovers I are James a fan, Bond so much. I watched The Living Daylights. I should have talked about that, dude. It was so fucking good. I've never seen The Living Daylights. It's one of the Roger Dalton ones. He only was in two. He was in The Living Daylights and he was in License to Kill. I've never seen him. It was so good. It's maybe it's probably my favorite non-Craig one ever. Actually, really, she's not gonna hear this, so she won't be offended. But yeah, it was because I don't. I really like Sean Connery that much. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, those movies are old as shit, you know? And he's kind of just a shitty guy. it's from the 80s, right? Yeah. And that's when movies started to get good. They, so just, living, they yeah. just figured it out. And I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. They go to Afghanistan. It's, it, it's all Cold War shit. There's like Soviets and Mujahideen and there's dudes firing RPGs from horseback. I thought that's it was amazing. That's pretty sick. I loved it. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, how have I never seen this? <laughs> this is incredible. It's in part of your, it's part of your little uh, collection. Yeah, I got them all. So. Okay, right. It's a nice little box you've got. I it's must great. Admit. It's great. Love it. So, anyway, <laughs> the Dark Tower. 
So we we began, Jack, our journey to the Dark Tower like many moons ago. Years ago. I think when I started, we started working together. Yeah, I started reading it in high school, like like like, like freshman year of high school, which is almost 10 years ago now. And Jesus yeah, Christ. shortly thereafter, I got you on board. And, um, it, well, it would have been a couple of years after. If you a year or two. I don't think it was that. No, because it would have had to have been, because I'm a year behind you, so you would have... Well, I don't know. When do you think you started reading them? I started reading them, well, maybe my junior year. Yeah, well, fine. You get it, though. Sophomore Point year? is very, very much slow and steady yeah. on my end. Yeah. Um, there was definitely periods throughout this where, there, I mean, there's only seven books, right? So, obviously, you can't, We, you know, we've talked about the books you read here. We can read much quicker than that. Yeah. So, obviously, but, there's big periods, like at years at a time in between some of these where we weren't reading them. Well, there was one point, which is, which is crazy to me, that he, Zach read uh, the entirety of Wizard and Clad, which is the fourth and longest, or second longest book. I think it's the longest, longest. Isn't it? You're right, I think it is. In the entire series, he read it in a seven-day period, because he said he started, we worked together on Saturdays at this time, so on Saturday he said, I'm starting the book, and I said, wow, I wonder how long it takes, and then the next Saturday he's like, and I finished the book, it's all done, and I said, <laughs> it's great. Excuse me? Yeah, Took right, me forever right. to get through Wisdom Glass. Yeah, I huge. don't like Wisdom Glass. I liked it. Like the fight at the end? The fight at the end is like the only good... There's too much looking at Oxen oh, and... I, I feel like they do... I, when we talk about this at that time, I mean, we can kind of do this, I guess. Whatever. Just go all over the place with it. But Gives a shit. Yeah. The Wisdom Glass probably... It meanders a bit too much. It doesn't need to be that long, basically. Yeah. Because there's a lot of in the middle where they just keep doing the same thing as on a loop. Like with fucking little time at times even. oh yeah but it's just like yeah like the same the conflicts don't really change it's all just like roland's in love and susan's and her thing and it's all but we don't really know and it's like it just keeps doing that forever we just come back to susan and she's like i'm in love with roland but i have to get married to the mayor oh. i have to dry up the mayor in this scene gross yeah i was like so, it's your preface dark tower by stephen king it is stephen king yeah it's, uh, it's, it's, his, his magnum opus yeah, his self-defined magnum opus his seven book kind of high i don't even call it high fantasy it's definitely not high fantasy I don't think it's I don't epic know. fantasy. It's epic, epic fantasy, little sci-fi. It's maybe. very weird. It's unlike any other fantasy I've ever read. Yeah, um, it's very much why we talk the way we talk is because <laughs> of these books. <laughs> if you think High we, speech. If we think we talk weird, it's probably the, these books you could blame if you read them. Uh, so the seven books, um, and he wrote them obviously throughout his life. Um, he starts. Yeah, he took almost as long to write them as, as we've taken to read them. <laughs> Um, and he, we, and we haven't died to finish the last three yet, so right. we're ahead. So there's the Gunslinger, uh, the Drawing of the Three, the Wastelands, Wizard and Glass, uh, the Wolves of the Kala, the Song, Song of Susanna, and the Dark Tower. Uh, each kind of get progressively longer. They follow Roland. Also, oh, the, the Wind Through, through the, the Keyhole, which is like a f- which, between four and five. Yeah, isn't really, doesn't have like pertinent story stuff for the actual main characters, but it has a lot of. It's it's definitely answer. I mean, they're in it, right? It takes place mm-hmm. between them. It's just not really important to the main plot. To the main plot, but it's it's very good too. Yeah. So we follow uh, the titular gunslinger Roland Deschain of a fictional land called Gilead, on uh, the where he's the fi- last gunslinger, last of his kind, uh, and he's on a quest obsessively to find the titular Dark Tower and save it. That's his whole mission. That's like his goal in life. Yeah. And it's very much like. Maybe like a Rand where he's like obsessed with this goal and will kind of destroy much everything to get to it. And that's pretty explicit. Yeah. That he's like addicted to it like you would be. They call him a tower junkie, literally. Like he's obsessed with it like you would be with a drug or something. So, mm-hmm. And throughout his journey, he picks up um, three other... We pick up a couple. We pick up... You, you can get, argue it gets to five by the it's end. It's to five. 
Uh, so in the drawing of the three, we get three people. We get, but only two because one of them's bad. Oh right, I forgot. Jake just dropped three. It's a whole thing. Um, we get Eddie, who's a um, former heroin addict, and then Rowan's like, "Figure it out, buddy. Come on, come be a gunslinger with me in this other world." And he takes him through a portal, and they join wars. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's a lot. It's yeah. Again, it's unlike anything I've ever read because it's the world that he creates just initially, right? So the world that he inhabits for most of it takes place in this. They call it Midworld, and it's like it's this setting where. It seems to be some kind of post-apocalyptic. It's well, it's like the word they use. The world has moved on. They'd say, so they'd say the, world the has idea moved is on like it's post-post-apocalyptic. Yeah, like they're kind of found. Like yeah, they've kind of evened out again. It's mostly normal for the most part. Although during Roland's lifespan, it gets bad again, and then it really—that's when everything starts to really crumble. But yeah, just the world he inhabits as like a child is like again. He's a gunslinger, so they have guns, right? They're they're big about their guns, and they have these. Old time shooters, yeah, right? revolvers, revolvers like cowboys, were, yeah, and they're very prized and like, but even those are rare. And but then like they have more advanced machine guns and stuff that exist. They're just really rare. Yeah, it's yeah. weird because like you couldn't just make them. They're not pot. Whatever. Beside the point. Um, and then there's like all these vestiges of like something else that used to be. Like, like the, they have trucks. They have gas stations. They have they have Hey Jude. Yeah, yeah. They know how to play Hey Jude on the piano. Um, even stuff that's like beyond what we have, right? Like mm. he finds in the very first book, he finds like a, it's like a gas station, but it also has like a nuclear reactor underneath, underneath, yeah. just stuff like that. It's got so water there. The idea seems to be that they at one point were in a very advanced civilization. Yeah. And a, a civilization even past ours, but then everything went wrong for whatever reason. And then they climb back up to Roland yeah. and they start to build like something and then they fall again. And now Roland lives in the aftermath of the aftermath. But there's also like magic. Yes. Which is its own thing. Like there's mu like it's very much kind of a sci fi fantasy mix at times. Yeah. It kind of just throwing everything he can think of into this. Yeah, it's just nonsense. And then it gets meta, like it, it towards the back end. Stephen King himself appears, appears and is a character, as a character and speaks to Roland and And it's not really him. Like it's you know, it's a character of him. Mm. Um and he's you know, he's very public about this. He talks about it in the in the forewords and the afterwards, which are very get very lengthy by the end. Um, where he he did stop as well, like like we said, like it took he he was taking years between some of these, and he had a car accident in or he was hit by a car. He wasn't even in a car. He was jogging, they're <clears throat> running or whatever, and he was hit by a car in the late nineties. Yeah, and he had like a like a real moment of reflection as a result of that, mm. and that's part of the reason that um. He finished them, and that factors into the, like, it's a plot point in these books. Yeah, that they save him from dying. Yeah. That he, he, I don't know if he believes it or whatever, but that, like, Roland actually saved him. It's a whole thing. Again, it gets, it does get kind of weird at times. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, very much multiverse stuff going on and jumping between dimensions and how that all works. Yeah, and I think mostly it's not just that Stephen King had a bunch of ideas that he wanted to fit in, it's that he didn't know what he was doing, because the gunslinger at first... Because these books take many forms throughout their lifetime, if you follow the history of them. Because the Gunslinger is just a bunch of like short stories that he puts into a magazine when, mm-hmm. when they were first published, and then yeah. he combined them into one book with one, con- and then he connected them all with Roland, which he only refers to as the Gunslinger. And then he writes the drawing of the three, which is a more like concrete story in a series. And then he starts. He's like, oh, maybe but even this- that. It's just there's yeah. a lot of stuff. That, like it's it's a, it's like the most. I guess it would be a very soft kind of magic. Not that it's like a magic system like that, but it's just stuff Ma- just happens. Magic can just occur. Without real explanation, which some people would probably not be as into. Mm. 
Like, even the drawing of the three, that just happens. He just finds a bunch of There's doors. There's just doors that just appear, and it brings... Why? Who does that? Like, who's orchestrating this? And the door and the doors work differently. Not all the doors work the same. Who knows? Like, it's just not important. Mm-hmm. He tries Pepsi. That's fun things where he eats our food. Yeah, it's good stuff. There's lots of fun stuff like that. They go in between the worlds and, and everything. Yeah, and the whole thing... in the Dark Tower, what it is, it's just a nexus of all reality. And I think at this point... At some point writing these, Stephen King realizes that he references himself a lot in all his books. And at first, it's unintentional. And then there's a point in time, I think, when he writes Insomnia is when he takes makes the switch where all his connections are very intentional to show that he all his books exist in a multiverse. Yeah. So exactly. they don't all exist in the same world because, obviously, not all the rules would line up and everything yeah, exactly. would, it would become like the Marvel Universe where, like, Precisely. why would all these things happen? They're all different levels of the tower, and they're all connected in a string. And, like, a middle world is connected to this to our world, the real world, where Stephen King lives. They're, like, mirrors of each other. It's a lot. And he's got, he even has kind of his own concept. He's called Twinners, which are, like, it's like the MCU concept of the variants, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's different U's across the timelines. Like, Jake, who's one of the main characters in this, is a Twinner with Dan? I think Danny from the yeah, The Shining, The Shining, and a kid in Lost Hearts in Atlantis. I yeah, think. I think so. He's the one with Anthony Hopkins. In the- yeah, yeah, just all that kind of stuff. So, like, yeah, and there's tons and tons, and there's there's ones that more and less heavily in, uh, tie in, right? Like Insomnia is one of the bigger ones, I think. There's a it's a huge plot point though in the end yeah. here, like you read. Yeah, um, Insomnia, like Eyes of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. He has lots of books where it ties direct, and then lots of books where it's just reference, right? Like I recently yeah. read Fairy Tale. And in that, there's just a couple of references. In Fairy Tale, he references the idea that um, the Dark Tower is a book series. Oh. So that could even just be like a... That's a simple reference. Yeah. But also, there's magic and stuff in that world. So it's not it's meant to be our world. So it's a different world, I guess, on the tower that also just has the Dark Tower as books. Because in the Dark Tower books, Stephen King is a writer who's writing the Dark Tower books. Yeah, like it's so just, what he's writing occurs. It's yeah. It gets... It's a little too much sometimes. It's a lot. But it's just... Yeah. I do think they're very good overall. Oh, well, we I have fun. It, I have fun reading them every time. It comes together, I guess, better than it. When we're describing it, yeah, because we're not writers, <laughs> exactly. Better than it ought to, I guess. Better than it had, would have any right to when you hear it. That it is just kind of like nonsense, and it just yeah. he just kind of made it up as it went along. And he talks about how his process he, is that he kind of finds books as he goes along, basically. Yeah. That like he doesn't. I don't know. You know, yeah. you know, writers they can get kind of it's I, I think artsy about it, but he says that like, the yeah, gardener approach I think kinda, is what because oh, I okay. heard um what's his face the other guy who doesn't write his books very fast George R R Martin he's described as like the architect writer and like the gardener writer where the architect will like obviously plan everything out and like this is where everything is going to be and I, and then the gardener is like well here's what I think will happen and then I'll find and like as I write I'll find the plot well somebody. I guess I didn't even realize how the process all worked. But like some writers, when they're talking about outlines, I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this. Sometimes when they're talking about outlines, that means like they're writing a lot. They're not just like, I think of outlines as like bullet points almost. Yeah, that's what I would say. No, a lot, of, at least some writers, Not I don't know how common this is, but when they write an outline, it's like one third the length of the total book. Oh, shit. And then they just kind of expand upon that. Oh, I guess it would make sense. Where like you or you know I'm sure there's more you know people do more or less yeah they, they, that's probably towards the high end of that but it's still it's like and it, it probably depends how long your book is right mm. for a shorter book I guess it would be a bigger portion of it whereas if you're writing it but still just stuff like that like there's all these different kind of approaches so it's so funny he says one I I think he was on Colbert I watched an interview with him recently and I think he was talking about Salem's Lot maybe and how that was a hard one to write and he got like kind of tripped up 
And so he's like, yeah, and it really tripped me up for about two weeks. And then, well, then I figured it out. <laughs> it's so funny because he is so prolific compared to pretty yeah. much anyone else who's ever done this. Except me, Brando. We always talk about him. I think. But I don't know if he can beat, catch up ever. I no, mean, that's true. Stephen King's got like 70-something books, I think. That's true. He's always writing something. He's like the Steven Spielberg of books. Yeah. He's always making something. Uh, they had a dual interview, him and George R. R. Martin. And he's like, how'd you write so many books so fast? And it's a big joke because they're at two opposite ends. And he's like, yeah, I just write like 10 pages a day. Like I at least write he that treats much. it like a job. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Which is similar to Brandon Sanderson for sure. Mm, and just, yeah, it's the thing that always struck me is he just treats it like it's, a, it's his job. So if you just do it every day, you'll, you'll get done, books done pretty quick. Yeah. And if you do it every day, you'll get better at doing it faster and faster. You only can get better with practice. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, for eight hours, I, I write a book. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, that's one way to do it. I mean, I can't imagine I would actually be it. in a hypothetical world where I was a successful author. I can't. I imagine I would still force myself to actually write like it was my full time job, but hell no. If I was, if I had Stephen King money, what's what I'm? I would have stopped writing decades ago. <laughs> I write Cujo, and I'm like, if I write it in Cujo, I'm like, buddy, I'm I'm set for life. Or a flush. <laughs> yeah. I'll do all the cocaine in the world. I don't even remember. Really, that's what these guys like. I mean, yeah. they really do love it. That's why they do it. Yeah, so. you, you wouldn't you wouldn't write so well if you didn't like doing it. Exactly. Kind of thing. So, but anyways, I guess the big thing to talk about. Where I would like to talk with you about at least is yeah. the end, right? So spoilers, big spoilers. I usually say like, oh, it's spoilers, but I would say if you if have any interest in this, do not them. listen to this part of the episode. If you're a fantasy. I mean, we talk about fantasy books with some uh, consistency. Some consistency. We've so, been it's been almost a year since we talked about Wheel of Time. We've ever, uh, but I've been busy. <laughs> if you've ever been swayed, then uh, you can. Yeah, I would say read these. So if you have any interest in fantasy books, is what I'm saying. Yeah, read these um, and do not listen. We're gonna do spoilers. Right after I finish the sentence, so spoilers right now. You said now. the one thing, it's not... Um, don't listen if you don't want to know the end. I wouldn't say they're grim dark, right? But they can be... They're very adult. They're adult, yeah. Mature. I would say it's on the same level as any other Stephen King book I've read, which mm-hmm. is like, he'll swear sometimes, and people be get, like gore and sexual content and stuff. So don't get raped by a demon. Of, it's true. But it's not over the top, and it's not horror like some of his other books. No, no. Uh, not uh, fully. So. thriller? Sure. All right, not so, really, but the end what do you think about the ending okay, of so the, the dark end. tower so basically across the final book one by one um the cotet dies right mm-hmm. starting with the very beginning father callahan who is more or less a member of their cotet depending i guess that's part of it i'd like to talk about in a bit but across the whole book everyone um dies except well Susanna does not die yeah but she leaves but she leaves as well so he's left alone and he makes it he makes it at the dark tower and he gets in there and he they let him in and he climbs the tower, and as he does, each room is a year of his life. Mm. Um, and it goes really far because Roland is like maybe a thousand long lived somehow, maybe or maybe it's events. It's not super clear, right? Yeah, he's like it, again, Stephen King doesn't really. Yeah, sometimes he's like a forty year old man, and sometimes he's lived a thousand years. Yeah, it's suggested that he's somehow unnaturally long lived, or and again, something about the way that the fabric of his reality is crumbling that like maybe time doesn't even mean the same thing anymore. But basically, the idea is he gets to the top, and then it lets him out, yeah. but he doesn't get to what he thought, which is that it seems like there's a consensus that you get to the top of the tower and you get godhood, basically. You be, you can like become the tower. I don't know. It's it's not super clear at, yeah. at any point what he thinks he'll get. But what he definitely didn't think of this, which is that it drags him out and it spits him back at the very beginning of the whole series, which is like the very iconic opening line, which is that the, the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. And it spits him back there at the very beginning. Um, and it suggests that the whole thing is a time loop, right? Yeah, he'll keep repeating the loop. It doesn't even suggest. It says he's done it before and he'll do it again kind of thing. Like he's done it countless times and he forgets every time, right? Because it kind of 
mocks him almost. Yeah. So this isn't the first time that he's he's done it. Um, but the the thing is, is that it is slightly different. He's got at the, the start of this one because he has the horn now. That uh, his friend drops the Battle of yes. Jericho Hill, which I don't know. It just it just opens up for a lot of uh, speculation. I think. So what do you what do you think the overall idea of like the loop is? Like why is it? Why does it I do that? Th- from from what I've seen, I really like the setting. I know it's a probably controversial, but I thought it was good right off the bat. I, thought, I, I yeah, I did not dislike it as much of a lot of because as much as a lot of people. I do feel like well. it's one of those things where like it's built up like it's such a a monumental thing. It's like what. What could he have? What could he be given that would make sense to me? That wouldn't feel like random or not earned. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just bring everybody back to life. That doesn't make any sense. But I think to force him to repeat it because we keep talking about he's the junkie. And some comment I think I saw on the Dark Child subreddit or somewhere said this that like the tower is forcing him to do it until he stops. Like they're gonna keep every time it's different because he's like every time he's gonna save somebody else and realize that he doesn't need the tower. Like you don't need to deal with the tower and because it says that like. I don't remember what book, but like the Crimson King can't destroy the tower anymore. He's locked out at the about the halfway point of the seventh book. Right, okay. they stop him, and yeah. they, it's probably good. It would probably be good if he stopped yeah. there. And if I don't know, I guess they have to save Stephen King though. There's a couple points though where it feels like they could probably just call leave it. it. Mm-hmm. It'd be good enough alone. But he's like, no, I have to see the tower. Like I made these promises. And it's like sometimes you got to cut your loss, man. Mm-hmm. And people are like, stop. And he like goes through all this. His heartache. He has to kill his own weird spider half son. He, has he kills to, both of his sons. Basically, yeah, he kills both of his sons. He kills Eddie. Susanna leaves him. Oi dies. He's left with um, that the mute kid from Insomnia, which I didn't love that he just jumped in at the end. Yeah, that's one of the more random ones of of all the random stuff. More so, just how influential he was and how minor. Like in it, like it just kind of back a couple hundred pages of that book. He just shows up and is just. Ends up being like essential. To <laughs> yeah, he kills the Crimson King. Yeah. So, um, what do you think of the Crimson King? I think he's kind of nothing. He's not. Anything. I thought it was very. Yeah, I, I definitely thought he was underwhelming. He's I, just a crazy old man on like a ledge. I don't know. Yeah. That's not what I. I wished. I, I, I mean, they say that he, there's more to him than that. That's not actually all there is. Like, mm, probably more in Insomnia because I think he plays a big role in that. But I just mean the idea that like he's not actually limited in that. That's just kind of a manifestation of him mm. in some way. I don't know. But. I know he'll. Pro- I know. Um. In, adi- in like pe- new editions of the book, Stephen King will change things to make the Crimson King more involved. Because in the Gunslinger, there's a point where this woman becomes impregnant with a demon child, and then the original edition, it's just the Man in Black's child. But in the new edition that I read, it's the Crimson King's child. So to like kind of introduce him earlier, and I don't, I don't even know. I I don't even know which ones I've read. There's so many editions. There's a, yeah, there's a lot. I mine's a, it's an older book for sure. It's from like the 80s is the one I have. Yeah. So I don't know which one it. Mine's the newer one, the newer covers. Okay. Um, but I also have a mix. I have the first two books. I have like the newer covers. They're like bigger with the big, and then I have like smaller paperback ones that all like. It's all the set, cover. right? That's got to be quite new, though. So yeah, probably, whatever. But yeah, I um, I agree. I think there's a couple of different interpretations. I do. I kind of like the idea that he's yeah, it's gonna keep doing it to him as long as he keeps wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. That like the thing he has to learn is that he shouldn't do it. Um, yeah. I like the idea that he's getting better, and that that's what it needs. Is that he's not worthy of the top of the tower yet, but he could get there, and that's why they keep sending him, right? Yeah. And I think you can. I saw someone break it down recently. Maybe I'll see if I can find it here. Of um, there's like a million different like choices throughout this series, right? Mm-hmm. That are like distinct and like pretty significant if you think about them. And if you if you think of it through that context, where you say, okay, 
if this was a Groundhog Day style loop that I was doing, how could you do these all differently to achieve different outcomes? Yeah. And I think you can make the argument that like some of the choices he makes throughout the series maybe are the good versions of those choices, right? And some of them are still the bad ones, right? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, one of the probably easiest ones to point to is at the end of the first book, right? When he lets Jake fall. That's one that he probably could have done better, right? Yeah. In a different life, maybe he would do that better. But then there's also ones throughout the books where it's like, he probably did make the right choice there, right? One of the ones people point to is in Wolves of the Kala. He um, puts their ambush at Jeopardy to save um, Jake and the other kid. Yeah. Jake's friend, right? That's one where, like, in a different life, he might have done that the wrong way and let them die for the sake of the ambush. Greater good, and things would have gone worse. And I like the idea that, like, he has to attain, basically... I've seen it both ways that like he has to be better or has to save people, but those might be one and the same, right? Yeah. And that over time, if he if he gets closer to the actual ideals of that he is supposed to be about, right? The ideals of like the gunslingers that he could be worthy of it sooner or later. And that even this passed round through, he maybe he did it better, and that's why he gets the. That's horn. why. That's why Susanna lives. That's that's, why that's Susanna his gift. Lives. Yeah. And why he gets the horn is because he's done it better, right? Because mm. it doesn't really make sense because the time frame that it seems to be looping and back through right which again is the is the books themselves the him losing the horn predates that by like maybe a thousand years yeah, yeah countless years so these are the most important decisions the for fact the tower that, that was changed in his past seems to suggest that like there's something else at play it's mm. not a choice that he had to make during this loop through but for whatever reason he has it now and who knows how that'll change it maybe that wouldn't change it much maybe he's already had it before or, or what but like that could imply that this time through will be different. Yeah, maybe he'll keep his fingers this time, or maybe he'll find more guns. And yeah, there's a lot of choices yeah. like that, just little things. And, it, and it's the way he treats people, and it's the way he treats his kata. Uh, people point out that like he never really accepted Father Callahan into the tet, maybe, the yeah. kata in the same way. And maybe that's one of his flaws, that he could do better. Um, same with Oi. He never treated so, Oi probably as like much of a person until the end, when yeah. he could have. Just little things like that. And at a certain point, he could attain godhood or whatever he's he's chasing. Whatever he's chasing. But again, maybe you're right in that, like, it is that the actual best outcome is that he doesn't go to the tower at all because everyone else lives and he just doesn't need it. And he just lives with his friends. Because the rose still exists. Because, like, they've already saved the rose. The Crimson King is locked out. Like, they've done everything right. He's He can just rest. But it's just like he can't. I think it could go either way. I think maybe he's, maybe the tower wants him to bring all his kata t- with him, mm-hmm. and then, then then they'll all achieve, they'll all reach the clearing together, like they'll all achieve godhood, or as as this interpretation says, or they'll just, yeah, like, they'll just they'll all be together and they'll live in, in um, Kala or something, or Midworld, like they'll all just travel through the multiverse together, but, helping people. Because mm-hmm. there's definitely points throughout where he doesn't make good, the choice of right, right? Mm-hmm. He's making choice because he wants to get to the tower. And he, if he's actually serving the light, and he's serving the white and gone and all that, whatever form it takes, then he needs to be better for the sake of being good, not because it, it you know, it's a means to his end. Yeah, it's just because it gets him closer to the tower. So, like, I've, I even saw someone say it as, like, maybe the only reason, the only way he can ever attain it is that when he gets to, is, is, a, is a version, right, where he gets to the tower and he doesn't have to cry the names of everyone he's lost because mm-hmm. he didn't lose them because he did it right. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that idea, too. That's a cool scene when he says all their names, though. It is good, yeah. But again, it would be nice if he didn't have to. Yeah. They're all just with him or mm. nearby or something. The edge of the field. Or if the tower opened to him and he didn't go in or something. Like, he made it and he got in, but then he refused it. Or any any semblance of that interpretation. Uh, so I, thought, I saw a guy in 
later who like broke down every choice that he made but but yeah i uh i like you like you said i also agree i did like it and i think i think people think like oh it's kind of sad right that like he has to start over again and again especially the knowledge that like he's gone through it all before you know it is kind of sad in a way and like it seems kind of like almost torturous right mm-hmm. but i like the idea that he is getting better and that it's eventually he can do it right yeah like i think it is almost hopeful right in the end at the end because again he has the horn something is different i think that's intention i mean it is uh, it's very much intentional it right? is, he didn't have it before he didn't have it before and so i think he laments not having it he, he like every book at least once <laughs> it gets mentioned that he's like fuck i wish i had that horn the horn is so good and again we don't even know what it's gonna do or how important it is but it's important somehow. It, it must factor into something or another. Mm-hmm. So maybe it summons people, or maybe it's like the horn from Wheel of Time or something. Yeah, yeah. And there's um, you know, there's stuff throughout the books people pointed out where it's like he seems to have a sort of supernatural like sense or understanding of certain situations that it's just like how could he possibly know that in the moment? And it's yeah. Like maybe it's because he just, on some level he's able to remember. There's some, like his muscle memory is like they, like a deja vu. Like yeah. I've been here before. He's done these things already. So. I like all that. Mm. Oh, for sure. Okay, here it is. Perfect. This is mostly just for you and me. <laughs> but <laughs> That's fine. The big one is when he let Jake's fall. Um, in book two, he has the decision to bring Jack Mort out and have him join the quartet, right? Mm-hmm. Or he has the decision he makes, which is to kill that guy because he sucked. He did, right? yeah. Instead of bringing that murderer into their the group. Yeah, the pusher who he, pushed Susanna. He leaves him, right? Yeah. That's a good one. He kills him. Um, And he wouldn't have probably gotten back Jake if that, yeah. if that went that way, right? Um, in book three, um, the, the character Aunt Talitha gives him that cross that he brings all the way to the tower. He could have just not. Yeah, he could have just been like, I don't want this. But he was like, sure. And because he has the cross, that's important later on because he shows it to those guys, the um, Susanna's uncle. Yes. And they form the Tet Corporation. That's a big one. Um, in book four, when they confront Randall Flagg, it says, before Roland's companions could have rejected him and broken the contact when they confront Randall Flagg. I don't know why. Okay. Book five, he could have let them get run down. Um, during the attack of the wolves, the two snitches are heading for Benny, right? Jake shoots one of them. Was there anything anyone could have done differently to save him? So that's like a branch moment. Mm-hmm. Um, in book five, they find something else in the bag with the Black 13, and they just leave it. <laughs> They're like, we don't care. Oh, right, yeah. Um, that could have been something. And later on, in book six, Susanna finds it, which is the... The turtle. It's the turtle. And so, like, that's the, a choice. With the weird name. Yeah, the Sculptor It helps um, Callahan, right? Yes. He uses it at the end to fight the, the yeah. ancient ones or whatever yeah. they're called. And he loses it, and then it's gone forever. Yeah, it's gone forever. Um, this is in book six. As they're leaving Stephen King's home, Eddie looks back as if he'd forgotten something. There's something left unsaid or undone in that moment. Um, if Marjorie had never been born, then he wouldn't have been able to kill Black uh, Walter, Black Fla- whatever he's called, the Man in Black, yeah. Randall Flagg. So that could have been something. Um, Roland could have treated Mordred differently, right? Yeah. Like, he pities him throughout, but if they had actually brought him in and, like, tried to be cool to him, there's hints that, like, he wasn't... Evil he didn't him. have to be the, the way he was, yeah. basically. It was, he didn't have to be... He was born kind of a monster. And then, yeah, if he had the horn all along, what... What could have changed? What could have changed? Other, you know, other than sounding it at the very end when he got to the tower. Hmm. So, yeah, there's all kind of different ones like this. And it's like, I, I like the idea that you can kind of look at them all and think, yeah, he made, again, he made some of the right choices. And, and again, right in the sense that, like, he did things because they were right, not because he wanted to get to the tower. Yeah. And I like the idea that, like, could they have saved almost everyone? Maybe. Because the guy who kills Eddie, that's a thing, right? We're like, I don't remember. It's been a while, obviously. But the guy who kills Eddie, is, they make some choice relating to him that allows that to happen, basically. So they yeah. could have maybe changed that. There's all kind of little things. And so I like the idea that 
on any number of loops, like he's getting better, like he's iterating on it and he's improving as a person. And that's why, and again, it, it's kind of directly tied to like, can he save the cathead or not? Yeah. Cause that's what's actually important. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's, again, it's, I don't know if I, which one I subscribe to that at the end, he gets to just have his family and doesn't want the tower at all. Or at the end, he gets to be he God. Just get to the tower and gets to be God or whatever. I don't know. That'd be cool if he was God. I guess. I don't know. I like that they all just live. But I think the better idea is, yeah, they all that live. he doesn't need it mm-hmm. because he's not empty inside. Because everyone he loves his dead. Because at the end, it's like, what else does he have? Right? They've all died for the tower. He has to go to the tower. Yeah. But if he didn't, they didn't, what's the point? He didn't have to. And yeah. he'd be like, well, I guess. Well, again, they put him in a point where he can't repeat. Like, obviously, the people of his home are dead. His father, his mother, all oh, they're dead. But he's a new family. So he lives for them because they all take him up. Maybe he won't lose his fingers to the terrible uh, lobster monsters. Yep. Uh, so right here at the end here, we'll stop spoilers if you're skipping through, I guess. Or spoilers for the exact ending. We'll still spoil the books because who cares. Um, what do you think your favorite book of the seven are? Well, we can end it all right there with this. I actually think The Gunslinger is very good. It's very good. I know people don't like that one as much. Um People find it very confusing, and it is kind of confusing, but I don't think it's much worse than any other fantasy books I've read, you know? Yeah, it's like a one big long fantasy prologue. Yeah, and it's really not that crazy. I mean, it's like pretty straightforward. Like you said, it's, it's these little, it's these three kind of distinct sections, which are all a little bit different, but they're, on their own, they're mostly pretty easy to follow. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um. So I never found that, that it was like a just impenetrable book. And I think it, yeah, on its own, it, for setting up the world and stuff, I do think it's great. Um, like the backstory stuff for him is really good. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it is the most simplistic, like less crazy one of them all. So that's good too. Um, so I like that a lot. I like Wolves of the Kala, Wizard in Glass. Those are both like some of the more action heavy ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like Song of Susanna and Dark Towers when it really goes crazy with like the multiverse stuff. Multiverse madness. There's a lot of. They're all kind of good. It's kind of wild to me when Rowan is given a copy of the book Insomnia. They're like, you're going to need this book by Stephen King. He's like, I don't want this at all. Why would you give this to me? I just agree. I think Wolves of the Kala is probably my favorite. Probably tied. And then the other two, I'd probably say Drawing of the Three or Gunslinger. Because Drawing of the Three, I think, is very solid. As I like the Wastelands a lot, too. Wasteland, I haven't. I don't remember a ton about the Wasteland. Is it for, like, Blaine at the end? That's one of the ones that's most, like, solidly... Just in Midworld, like they're just traveling through Midworld, doing mm-hmm. crazy, like interacting with the crazy stuff that's there, like the technology and the magic. They like summon a demon and the big bear, they fuck a demon, they fuck a demon, like a succubus demon. That's cool. And they fight a big robot bear. Like this is, it's just the crazy stuff of like this is the world that they live in. And, and that's weird. when it first starts setting up like the beam. That's when it's, like, yeah. a lot of the like. But there's no like multiversal stuff. There's no like we're jumping into worlds yet. The man in black is not back yet. Yeah. No, he's at the very end. Oh, at the very end, he comes back. It's mostly just like this is the weird. They go to a weird city and it's all gross and yeah, there's like mutants there and stuff. So say Blaine, the TikTok man. Yeah, I don't know. They're all pretty good, man. And there's Simon, I Stephen King. He's good at doing it. Uh, one thing, I... but they are all distinct in yeah. a way, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of point to them all being like weird and different. Because like a lot of drawing of the three, it also does take place in uh, like New York and stuff and like yeah. weird other times and things. Roland's like in his head. He's like possessing them. <laughs> it's yeah, weird. he's like, what's going on here? Uh, and then. Yeah, it's 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 good stuff. I do like uh, back to I think we mentioned like some of the multiverse stuff with the references. The one character that doesn't have that has a bunch of different names but isn't um what's it called a twinner is I think the Man in Black because he's a villain that shows up in all a lot of Stephen King books under different names. A lot of yeah, times he's he, just the same guy. He's the same guy every time. Uh, usually he's called the Flag. That's usually the name he goes by. 
He's in. He's not in it. He's in the stand. stand. He's in Eyes of the Dragon. And in the Eyes of the Dragon, they reference the fact that he's had a bunch of different names. Mm-hmm. So they reference that. Obviously, he's in the Dark Tower. He's a bunch of different names. He he becomes Randall Flag at one point from the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, then they might even go to Stand World. I think is the they idea. Go, they go to the stand, Wizarding Glass. Yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of the people he comes. So I always think that's interesting how he has like this weird primordial villain that he can just appear and you can be like, oh, that's probably him. Who's like Merlin's bastard son? Yeah, that's a weird thing. Merlin's a thing, and King Arthur had guns and swords. Maybe, maybe. they came from the primordial soup. Yep, something like that. Yeah, it, it, Stephen King's no world building master. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. If you really think about it, you really kind of get like, well, why did he, wait? What? Who? Why do we wait? What's happening? Is it King Arthur? As we know, King Arthur. It's a lot of little things that are cool in a vacuum and don't really gel together. But that's yeah. fine. When you read them in a book, you go, oh, "That's a cool detail." But then if you put all the books together and you in a list, you go, and "You try to yeah, you try to do what I do, right? What I'm inclined to do, which is like to make it like a timeline, figure out how it all connects together, and like the lore of it all." You're like, "Wait, what?" Because again, it's like, was was King Arthur ancient or? But he's real. But his when was that? Right? Yeah. What, he, Roland's guns are made from Excalibur, I guess. How did that happen? When did that occur? His, yeah, wh- how old? When does Gilead fall? Like, the beam falls. That's why the Gilead dies, because they're on the beam of the eagle. But, like, how long have the beam's been falling? But, like, Arthur Eld was, like, he wasn't like King Arthur. He was, like, a warlord. He wasn't great, probably. But it's just, again, it's like, why, did he have a sword or guns? When, when, what time period is he from? Is he from, like, the ancient past? But then again, what is even the ancient past to them? It's, yeah. Like, it's, it just gets weird. Yeah, we get, we get into the weeds of it. Like, this world, we our big theory is that and this is, again, just for us to say the things that we'd like to talk about, um, that Roland's world didn't have magic, because the idea is that it's an opposite of our world, like it's the exact polar opposite, I think they're very connected, that Roland's world was our world at one point, and they got super advanced, and then they found a world with magic, and they brought all the magic in, and that fucked everybody up, because there was magic where it shouldn't have been, then everybody died, everybody fell, and then it, that's why it's all like, there's Exxon Mobil gas trucks and canisters, but also magical um orbs that can see the future and see different places yeah, yeah. and have clairvoyance it was like actual witches yeah witches and robots that are like doom bots with golden snitches who ride horses with lightsabers it's the whole thing um but yeah i remember saw an interview once someone asked him about the gunslinger like you can run any more dark tower stuff and he was like uh, i think about the dark tower all the time and he said and i never forget that he said this I see the gunslinger in my dreams. Yeah, he says it's like that. Jesus. Like he really does. And he said he'd want to write something about the Battle of Jericho Hill. Should be like that'd be interesting to see that. Yeah, there's like comic that, books. Um, right, you've read the comics. Some of which with Phil Lynch are like, a wee- but again, even those because those are from like the early 2000s, and then when he wrote Wizard in Glass, that um, or not Wizard in Glass, when he wrote Wind to the Keyhole, that kind of contradicts some of the stuff in those. But yeah, there's some cool stuff. I also kind of like the idea that the Battle of Jericho Hill just exists in his mind. Yeah, that he when does sees he have it. the dream? Is it in Wizard in Glass? Or no, it might be early. I don't remember what it is. Yeah. It might be Wolves Will, of the Kala, actually. But he has the dream about Jericho Hill, and like he remembers it. It's like I, just the idea that it's like it exists, you know, more as like a concept. concept. As an, yeah. an important event, but we don't have to see Whatever it. you can think of is probably as cool as whatever he would write anyway, so mm-hmm. just imagine that. Imagine that, and, and only Roland lives. Mm-hmm. Kind of the idea. Uh, anything else? I mean, we could talk about the Dark Tower for. Like, I mean, yeah, you could. Two, just, there's a lot going on. But yeah, we could go by every book. Hey, in general, it was cool, and I, like I said, the big thing is like the end, and I, I actually did think the end was cool, and I like the idea. Yeah, I think if you because know- again, he's like not. I don't know. I don't know how if you could read the whole book. It's that thing that people do sometimes, where just you like the hero, but if you really think about it, he's not a great guy, right? No, 
if we're being honest, everything he does, it's like, I don't know if he deserves it. Yeah, he's pretty selfish. So I think it makes sense that it's like, try again. Like, Do it be again. Better. Come on. You, you, you're not, you don't get what you actually deserve. Um, I just I just like the grand fantasy of it all. Yeah. I think yeah. that's probably my favorite part. Again, that's why we talk so weird. Um, they talk in a very fun way. Stephen King's got a very... I think he just writes yeah, it. I love all the the high speech words yeah. and mixes in and the, the way that they talk. You know, long days and pleasant nights and all that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sai, and all that. We say thank you. Mm-hmm. Time is a face on the water. We love saying... That's a thing we say all... I love mm-hmm. saying that. It's just, it just permeated our actual vocabulary, right. so... Everyone's like, why do you talk like that? Oh, careful. Chair setup might fall apart. <laughs> All right, so with that, we could probably Agatech out. Yeah, sadly, we'll return. I mean, all things serve the beam. We'll be back one day. That's right. Nineteen, bit, uh, nineteen, and all that. That'll do the Tellers episode. All things serve the beam because, of course, it will. <laughs> uh, so I take out of that into what do you want to do next? Dave Barry Survivor. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, <laughs> give me a lot there. Just pick one. Uh, Dave, we'll do Dave. I said it first. So we'll do episode five of season three of Dave. So mid-season point here. Right. That's right called the storm the storm i was gonna say i knew it sure you did let's fucking go okay if you say so well you can't prove that i didn't right as <laughs> <laughs> so, a little dick he's still on tour yeah uh, and he's in mississippi and at first right when right in the beginning of the episode we see this one with right for the right, where you get a shot of outside his the where he's performing the venue and the line obviously the line to get in is there's one person there it's probably early in the morning uh, or in the, early in the afternoon way before the show starts uh, there's a woman there waiting, very excited to see little Dicky. It's falling apart. The scenes here. Oh, we had to tape Zach's mic to a chair. <laughs> I might take a picture of this and put it on the Instagram, <laughs> uh, just to show on the setup we're working with. Uh, no, we're so, right. We're fine. We're fine. fine for now. But it'll still go on the Instagram. This is the dedication that we bring to this. You know? Yeah, we figured it out. Yeah, we got it. Engineer, he went to engineering school for a little bit. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. For enough time. Sure. <laughs> But for some, I, I mean, it depends what you mean by enough time. <laughs> enough time. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to t- <laughs> so she's at the show. We get a we get a little bit of the camera from her. We get focus on her. Little Dick is performing with Gata uh, and Els. And at one point, he's like, "Let's." And he's rapping the crowd, and he sees Meg, and he's kind of connecting with her. And he's like, "Oh, I got to bring someone up on stage for this next song." And he's and he's like, "Looking at all the all the girls want to um, go with him, get up stage with." Obviously, he's the rapper, he's the performer. He picks Meg and he brings her up, and everybody boos her and calls her a fat whore, which is like, what the fuck? It's definitely excessive. Just ugh, terrible. And then after the show, uh, little Dickie gets her backstage and apologizes, and is like, Can I get you a t shirt? You know, I'm really sorry that happened. She's like, Oh, it's all right. People around here are just terrible. He's like, You want to come with us? Because he's Dave. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta make something up with someone. I can't just let mm-hmm. good enough, let good enough alone. And Meg's like, well, if you said, don't do this, Dave. He's like, no, we got tons of room on our tour bus. Let's go bring you to Memphis with us. How is she going to get back from Memphis? I thought the same thing. Who knows? They're just going to be like, all right, bye. Uh, so right at the jump here. Yeah. I was curious to what you think about this. So when he does that, when he's like, oh, I'm going to pick you to come on stage. How, how do you feel about that? Like, do you think that was like a good thing or like, I don't know. They didn't really address it specifically in the episode, but like, I don't know. Do you think it's generally just a cool thing he was doing just because he didn't think anything of it or like. I think. Do you think it was the idea like he thought he was doing her a favor? I think. I I think it was like a, a genuine thing in the moment because when he's like up close rapping, it seems like he like connects with her. Like he sees her getting into it and is like, "Oh, this girl's really okay. into it. I'll pick her." I don't think he's. I think. I think everything after that is a bit like I gotta make it up to you. I have to do all this stuff for you. But I think in that moment, you he, okay. he like has good intentions. Fair enough. 
that's kind of, I mean, which is such a weird, it's like, it's such a hard thing, right? Mm-hmm. No, like, yeah. Because on the one hand, it feels like, and it's, I feel like that's the reason everyone was, like, freaking out is because it's like, oh, it's, you know, like, did you pick her just to be patronizing almost? Because it's like, oh, look at she's overweight. She's not traditionally attractive. So I'll mm-hmm. pick her. So I don't know. I said those thoughts. Maybe I'm thinking too deep into it, but I was I thought that was interesting because I'm like, is he yeah, is it just a genuine thing he's doing or does he think like, oh look it, I'll be cool and like whatever by picking an overweight girl to come up and be on stage. Mm. But maybe again, maybe I'm just the asshole. Because then it's like was he almost inviting that inadvertently? Right? Yeah. Because I feel like he should kind of should have known. That's what I'm saying, is like, does he think oh I'm the but it's just like at the same time, maybe are you really not doing her a favor? Like, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Again, they don't address that specific element of it all, but yeah. that's kind of the general theme of this episode. And so then they're like, okay, you're going to come on tour with us. So they got to stop at her house, though. To pick her up. Because um, Els needs to use the Wi-Fi. <laughs> so they do all that. But then a storm happens and they get stuck, basically. And the whole episode is like kind of realizing that her family is like very uh, conservative and religious and all. Yeah, and fundamentalist Christian. Her brother's probably in the clan. <laughs> something like that, yeah. So not a great group, maybe. No. And that they're like... She was into dancing, but they told her she can't dance anymore because it's unchristian or whatever. Because Footloose, you know, it's like a Footloose, it's the Footloose thing, and uh, and all that. And it's like just just the antics of them all buttoned up against these um, yeah. these coastal elites bumping up against these <laughs> these the middle these uh, blue collar everyday American class Southern Americans. Um, and of course, because Dave can't leave well enough alone, mm-hmm. he has to like be Dave about it and be like, you know, maybe we have values, and actually, maybe you should let her dance. And it's like stop, just. Let people handle what they want to do in their own time. Kind of works out in the end, but... Yeah, I th- so I think this it's interesting the way it presents it all, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, like, multiple times where I feel like it's psyching you up to think that these people are going to be, like, worse than they are, right? Yeah. Of Like, oh, these crazy fundamentalist Christians, who knows what they're going to say and do? But in terms of what they actually do in this episode, there's nothing too crazy, right? No, not at all. Listen, I'll criticize, much, criticize religion, right? Much as the next guy. Maybe more so than the next guy, Jack. You know I would say more. Listen, I'll start the pot you. a little. But I like the idea that in this episode, it was like, every time you think they're about to do something a bit unhinged, they're just kind of like, cool about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, except for the brother. Except for the brother. Yeah, the brothers maybe. But everyone else is just like, at one point, he's like, oh, well, you you know, you're judging me. Maybe you don't even know our values. And she's like, his mom, uh, uh, Meg's mom, she's like, oh, you're right. What are your values? And he's like, oh. Oh, but what are our values? <laughs> Or when the dad is, and he's, like, confronting them about the dancing thing. And the dad's like, I don't know, he's pretty, like, I feel like he's pretty chill with his response, yeah. right? He's like, no, it's a, we can talk about it. You know, I feel this, this, And again, I'm not saying I agree with this guy on any... On but he, he was open to discussion, I think. He was open to discussion. And he wasn't, like, overly obnoxious about it all. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty chill, right? He's like, oh, that's baloney. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, to call that baloney would be an insult to lunch meat. To cold <laughs> meat. And this is like, that's pretty inoffensive yeah. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, right? So I did kind of like the idea that it, he does have a little bit of assumptions going on. And like, yeah. yes, these people think differently than him. And I don't know. You know, I, I do kind of like the one line he, he used, um, which is like his mom told him that like, it's not cool to just let people be bad because they were raised that way. Right? Yeah. Basically. Can't, just just to, because to, someone was raised differently doesn't mean you can't challenge them. Yeah. More or less. Paraphrasing. Right? Yeah, of course. Just the idea that, yeah, but just because you were raised to believe a certain thing doesn't mean that's like equally valid as anyone else's beliefs. Yeah. Right? Because at times like your beliefs can be directly harmful to other people and stuff. So I, I do agree with that uh, mindset a lot. I think that was interesting. But in general, it's like, yeah, these people aren't like horrible, right? Yeah, they're not bad at all. They're not super crazy. Again, other than the brother, maybe. 
it really like brings up abortion and shit. Kills libtards. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're like killing babies more. He's just put a bunch of like propaganda kind of stuff. Yeah, just doing the classic stuff. But yeah. overall, I was like, yeah, this is interesting. I mean, again, the, the grandma's like an old lady or whatever, and the the, the little girl's like weird for some reason. But yeah, she's like crazy, <laughs> like a demon in general. It's, I, I did like that idea of like, oh yeah, I guess she could be a little more open minded, maybe. Mm. Not so bad, but then at the end, it's nice though because she d- she just dances. She starts dancing again anyway. So because they kind of they kind of reach because Dave kind of says what she's he's tr- been trying to like he's he actually says what he means yeah because like he he has an idea that he wants to express to her but he's Dave about it and he can't just take ten seconds to think and like formulate an actual thought he has to say everything he's thinking and like in real time like stream of consciousness um but in the end he's just like well no people didn't believe in me. And, you know, like, my parents didn't believe in me, but, like, I do it now, and now everybody, now everybody looks, so, like, try. Um, I thought was, uh, I liked at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a, we have a random Gator oh, yeah, emotional a, moment. I thought this is a Gator B-plot. Out of, kind of, seemingly out of, <laughs> yeah, I can't, head. I can't disagree. I mean, I guess they've been building towards it for a couple episodes, right? There was the Atlanta episode where there was that implication that he doesn't know what's up with his family, remember? Right, his sister. Someone mentioned his sister, and Dave's confused because he's like, "That's I met your sister," and she's like, "That's my cousin." And it's never really elaborated on. Yeah, so, which, I, which we can assume this episode that that woman he was raising him is actually his aunt. aunt. Yeah, or who knows if it's even his aunt? It was just kind of cousin and like the, the yeah, the like yeah, familial the cousins yeah. of the board. Yeah, like my cousin. You get it. Someone who's related to him or maybe close to him. Maybe not even way. related. Yeah. Um. So I guess that was kind of building for a while, but yeah, it was a full on like you know, it's very comparable to the one in episode. Five. Four or five of season one, yeah. hype man. Um, but obviously that whole episode's about Kata, and like we yeah. get a lot more context. This yeah. one, he's just kind of there in the yeah, in like the B plot, and then it just kind of explodes. But I mean, maybe, I guess that's life sometimes, man. Yeah, uh, I I remarked here as we watched it. It's like I have episode five got to do the Gata emotional part. <laughs> yeah, which is fair. I mean, we had yeah. I mean, Gata's has got a rough go of it sometimes. I mean, that's been consistent across the three seasons where yeah. it's like, and it's and also consistent is that <laughs> the rest of them are oblivious to it at times. Yeah, like, that. Dave like, in particular is not always the most like um present kind of friend to be yeah. aware of this stuff. And he's just like, ooh, ooh. He's like, I met your mom. He's like, that's not my mom. You never met my mom. And he's like, ooh, okay. Well, that that one I was like, well, how could Dave know that? Yeah, to be fair, I guess. Well, one would forgive him. One, at least in this case, you'd forgive him for assuming such a thing. But yeah, in other perhaps. cases, I think this is, I think is as out of left field as it seems to be, like to all explode in this moment, I think it is important for the point of showing Dave that just, they, these people way of doing things kind of can help because like the woman is very nice the mom is very nice to yeah. Gata and like even though like it's seemingly that she would not agree with this like black kid who lives who lives in like Atlanta or the city and like has all these tattoos and has premarital sex with these women and has all yeah. these but she's like well no you're alright like it's very helpful to him granted through the lens of Jesus yeah but still trying to help him through it in a way that she knows how yeah exactly yeah it's just nice like, and again, the, the three of them like because that's obviously like uh, like love and sex and relationships are like clearly a big theme to this season in particular. So mm-hmm. looking for see, love tour, looking for love tour. So it's good to see all this because he's struggling with this too. And then he sees like I, I think they probably see something in that. Like well, because especially on a second watch through, um, I know this when I was watching it with you when the Dave's or the dad's giving the speech and he's like, oh, just empty. Uh, what, I don't know how they put it, whatever. Yeah, at least I'm, I noticed. He's like, it leaves you empty and you say, if you have too much sex, <laughs> whatever. He's, that's yeah. basically what he's saying. It's not what he says, but he's like, you end up empty and soulless or whatever. And then it cuts to, to Gator and he's all like, he's really thinking about it. And he's, he's like, like oh, jeez. So I think there's, yeah. And, and that's kind of what's happening to Dave to a certain degree as well, right? Like he's not into this kind of lifestyle either. So 
it ultimately it all kind of did tie together with the overall theme of it. But yeah, and again, the, even just the idea that the people were not like they really did take them in. And yeah, they kept saying that, but it was, it really was true. And again, they were pretty like like at one point the, those two girls get into like a fight. They're like smashing shit, and they're still pretty cool about it all. Like, yeah, very understanding, and and they really are like hospitable about the whole thing. So. Mm. It's pretty nice. Like they, they yeah. really are over again. They do disagree. And again, I'm not saying that's a catch-all for anything and everything. You'd be like, well, no different opinions. But this is definitely the best kind of version of that, right? Mm. It's like they really are good people, and they seem to actually like live the way that they say they live. So that's yeah, interesting. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, I wonder where where will they, they could be in Memphis next week, or they be somewhere else. Where will they be in the country? They're going all over the place. I think I don't remember. I think the one episode is titled oh, something. What was it? But we'll have to see. I don't know. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I read off all the episodes. The next episode's called Rip Little Dicky. Oh, no, he's going to die? Oh, no. He's probably going to get canceled or something on Twitter. It sounds like. Oh, episode eight's Met Gala. Oh, the Met. They're, they're going to do the Met Gala? There's going to be so many celebrities. I bet you, I'll bet you, I'll bet you dollars to do this right now. Jack Carlo's going to be in that episode. He's in one of them, right? Is I think he he's been confirmed, Jack Carlo. Oh, is he? I didn't I even know that. Maybe. Didn't even need to know that. See, he released everyone who's supposed to be in this season, but if they're going to do the Met Gala, it's going to be. There has to be more, right? That's yeah. all, that's all the Met Gala is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they do. What is the? You they, can't put people in the Met Gala who aren't famous. That's like defeats the whole point. Yeah, I don't even know what the Met Gala is. Past the, I think it's literally just they invite famous people. I'm li- I'm not even kidding. It's like a a dinner. I don't know if they eat dinner inside. Yeah, it's like a, I don't know what the fuck's a gala, you know. I don't know. I'm not rich enough. But it's about being famous and rich. I think that's literally it. Like, you have to get invited if you're famous and rich enough. This is Usher, Rick Ross, Demi Lovato, Don Cheadle, Machine Gun Kelly, Megan Fox, Killer Mike, Travis Barker, Jack Harlow, Little Gotti. We haven't seen Don Cheadle yet. Those, yeah. <laughs> the, or Demi Lovato, or Machine Gun Kelly, or Megan Fox. They could easily be at the... I, I think that might... That'd be weird, though, because they're like... Are you in the outs now? I think so. I don't think they're... Ooh. 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 So you get for filming a thing before it comes out, huh? Yeah. Idiot. Idiot. Never, never film couples. <laughs> well, there you go. You know anything else to say about this episode? No. It was a good episode. I liked it. I liked it, too. Uh, so, we probably Ack Attack into... Let's do Jedi Survivor impressions. I've been forgetting to do timestamps this whole time. I just realized. Oh, shit. So, I was like two timestamps. Oh, shit, Jack. After we promised at the top. Well, no. I'm going to... I mean, I go back in and find We literally out. told them. Hold them. on. Oh. There's... The listeners listening to this will have seen the timestamps in the description because I'll go back and find them. It just takes me longer when I don't write them down. Now they're really going to have cause to be mad. I mean, we can't even... What do we say? Because before we said, look it, you can use the timestamps. And look it, now you've not even done that. <laughs> okay, let's pack it all on. God, pack it up. They'll have to listen back to the almost 70 plus episodes that don't have timestamps <laughs> and have much worse audio because we didn't know how to edit or do this right. All the audio is compressed like nine decibels and it's oh, awful. Geez. And I'm way too loud. Or one of us is way too loud. I okay. Think, anyway. Jedi... Star Wars Jedi Survivor. New game. Just came out. From Espawn. 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 Respawn and EA, I was trying to say. Espawn Arts. Um, the sequel to 2019's Jedi Fallen Order. Um, very excited for this. We talked about the one of the first teasers, and then we didn't talk about much else because you hadn't played it, so I didn't want to get into the nitty-gritty of the stories or anything. Right. But uh, it's out. It's out this week. Uh, been only a couple days now. So I play, I've played about five hours, maybe. And then actually got you to play some of this off, right? You played yeah. through the whole first section as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so we got our first impressions here, is all, really. Um, we'll probably talk, I mean, it'll come up a couple of times, right? Mm. I would definitely like to get into a more in-depth discussion. discussion, maybe once we've beaten it, whatever that might be and stuff, and we'll yeah. definitely talk about it end of the year and all that. But just 
first impressions, which is like we do, like kind of like we do with Elden Ring. Yeah. Uh, we did. We talked about Elden Ring in the same room as well. We did, but that audio episode is also fucked. What a time. <laughs> so I thought it was better. So it's probably the worst one. <laughs> um, but yeah, just right off the bat, I think it's great. I mean, I I suppose I'm not the the most like uh, objective. You're the opposite because I really love the first game, and you love and Star I really Wars. Really love Star Wars. Like I was really thinking about that. It's a weird thing. I think about it sometimes with games in general, which is like, how important is the kind of setting of it all? Because mm-hmm. if you somehow made this a game that was completely identical gameplay wise, but it wasn't Star Wars, it was skinned to something else, would I care even a little? Probably Isn't that not. weird? That is weird. But it's brand recognition. Like, think about yeah. Like it doesn't make a ton of sense, but it also does. I guess. I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, that's why they're so. That's why these movies. That's why things make so much money because of brand it's recognition. Like Zelda, right? I feel the same way about Zelda, Jack. I'll do, Jack. I'm oh, just gonna say we're gonna do Zelda right now. Oh no, we're gonna have to get too far into it. But I the think game's that, about to come out because that's me though. Because I because like this is my Zelda, okay? Because Zelda's fucking Tears of the Kingdom is gonna fucking be. Everyone's gonna say it's literally Dude. ten out of ten, right? App, no, shut up. You know you, you didn't even pray about the one. You don't even give a shit about Zelda. Which Zelda games you ever played? Exactly. So, but everyone else who's been playing fucking Ocarina of Time since they were eight is just gonna fucking lose their minds over it. It's the best game ever. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, I we talked about it with Elden Ring. The same again, same thing. That like on like a, a sort of philosophical level, I disagree with like calling a game a ten out of ten. Again, I I did all this before, but like something about video games is very different to other mediums, and just that, like like they're also very technical. Like it's it's software. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. weird. It's just it's not the same as like. A movie. Other arts where it's it's so weird to me. There's very few games that have ever been 10 out of 10s because that to me also beyond the gameplay being great and the story being great, that also indicates that it's like technically flawless, which yeah. seems so unattainable. And I know Zelda didn't attain that and it was 10s anyways, but whatever. That's beside the point. And plus technology only gets better. So yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> video games are probably stand up the worst to like going back mm-hmm. than anything else right because movies like we said the 80s are <laughs> but unironically like you know in all seriousness there's great movies from like pretty much every decade since the 20s yeah. like, i guess you get it though right Especially when they only save the good ones yeah, exactly same with books and shit right like, yeah. books are kind of the same there's great tv shows from from decades past but video games it's like a such a steep curve or even 10 years ago now you're like ooh. They show their like age, dog right? shit, yeah. They look bad, but even just the gameplay, they're less complex. Like that's why it's it's not even fair to compare Ocarina of Time, right? Or lots of games. It does make sense to compare them by the standard when they came out because it's just like, well, yeah, obviously this game is poo poo compared to now. Yeah, like, it's not even. I guess, yeah, if you compare Ocarina of Time to Elden Ring, Elden Ring is gonna beat it to death. It's there's fu- nothing that Ocarina of Time does better than Elden Ring. Nothing. Right? It, yeah, but it's not really fair again. But um, all this to say, like, I, yeah. I feel like a not insignificant portion of it is people love Zelda because it's Zelda. Yeah, they have a lot of attachment to it. And they want the story and the characters. And there's a certain, like, vibe you get. Like, oh, we're going to have all this stuff because of Zelda thing. It's like, going to have caves if, and temples and whatever. If Breath of the Wild was skinned to be a different game that wasn't Zelda, I can't imagine it would have gotten tens across the board. Nope. I'm sure it's great. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm sure it is great, but I just... It's like it's the like a thing too much. It makes you want yeah. to like it. On as principle, much. I'm, I want to dislike it. Yeah. So, but I'm, again, all that was to say that this is this is my Zelda because it's Star Wars. Oh, and yeah. It's by all accounts maybe the best Star Wars game ever made. Um, Damn. Again, that thing we just said right about like the stark progression um, that applies heavily to Star Wars games because they haven't made many Star Wars games in the past 
yeah. decade and a half, Since really. Lucasfilm acquisition. Yeah, there's been a bit of a drought. And I think Jedi Fallen Order was one of the best Star Wars games ever at the time. Yeah. And this, by all accounts, is improving upon it in every like facet, gameplay-wise and everything. So it seems like a real winner to me. Yeah. I'm very excited for it. I, like I said, I, I also think Jedi Fallen Order has one of the best Star Wars stories, just period. Like, I think it's really well done. I think as, like, in that format, right, mm-hmm. it works really, really good, you know, as a contained story. Like, it hits on a lot of beats that other things do, but it's just, it does it very well, right? You know, you get Order 66 and shit, and you get, you got your Inquisitors, and there's, like, all kind of Force Visions and shit. I love it. And that's, there's something very cool about playing through them, like living that, like, you are him, um, which is, you know, the best part of video games, right? Like when when a video game does that well, and it, and it takes advantage of like being an interactive media to enhance the story. Yeah, that's always great. But yeah, so just in general, what what did you think of the gameplay in the sections we were playing? Um, I thought the gameplay was pretty good. I liked the the block and the pairing. I've seen it's you've you've tried to pitch it to me because I yeah, <laughs> haven't played it. Um, it's very much got like Dark Soul. It's very much a Souls like game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the checkpoints. The enemies respond. They, if you get enemy kills you, they'll take your souls or whatever, whatever it is. There's pairing like in Sekiro. I like that stuff. Um, a lot of good stuff. I will say he moves kind of jankily. I think sometimes. Yeah. I think like his jumps sometimes are weird. The way he runs is kind of weird sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't think it's it's very fluid at all times. It's just, or yeah. and or when like he'll talk. When they zoom in and then talk, sometimes I think is all the characters, like, sometimes they look a little weird to me. The backgrounds and stuff look very good. Like, the environments, um, the parts that you, like, have to interact with aren't too, like, they inter- they integrate them well enough that you can see them, but they're not, like, it's in big yellow, climb on yeah, me yeah. thing. Um, so, I think that's good. I think the enemies, I like the enemies. I think they're pretty varied, even the first level that I played in Coruscant, and I watched you play with this, the other level, um, the variety between the Coruscant um, stormtroopers and the whatever planet we're on next the droids yeah um but yeah i think but i, I think it's fine otherwise like the i can i can deal with him moving a little weird well so the big thing that people praise the them for this, this, the last one and this one is that it really does a good job i think of of combining all the jedi stuff right yes the, the thing people often say is that like it is a really good like jedi power fantasy right in, in game form and um where they were talking about like Jedi Knight Jedi Academy, which for the longest time was the game I would have said is my favorite, like best Star Wars game. Yeah. Um, and it's still very good. And I think for the time, especially, it's like excellent. Um, and there's potentially even one or two things in that game that like the these games still have yet to even match. Right. But um, when you compare the, the force and everything and the way that all works, like there's a lot of cool stuff in that game. But it is much less fluid in terms of like, you know, you have to switch between your force powers in like an awkward way at least when you're playing on like controller maybe on pc you mm-hmm. get to hotkey all that shit yeah and you could um you could do it like that but playing it on console like i i have it's kind of wonky and uh so this is a big improvement over that in a lot of ways is that like the way you can um combo with all the different force powers and like i think another big thing that it does really good is that in jedi knight jedi academy is like this too even on the harder difficulties right and the very hardest difficulties the lowest level enemies at least are still just one shot yeah. Which, I, which is something I really appreciate because I don't like in Star Wars games when they kind of have to arbitrarily fuck with that. Like the Force Unleashed is, is probably one of the best examples of this. Is that towards the end, especially when it's like, well, the enemies need to be more difficult, right? Yeah. They all just are like whatever, like damage sponges, right? You're just beating it, and it, and it makes the lightsaber feel way less cool yeah. when you're like batting on them like it's a fucking 
baseball like it's a bat. stick. Yeah. Like I just have to whack you 40 times. Batting on it like guy. it's a bat. Exactly. So the idea that like, yeah, you're base level stormtroopers. No matter what point of the game you're at, if you run up to a stormtrooper and, and hit him with the lightsaber, he dies because you cut him in half with a lightsaber. Yeah. Right? So I, I do always appreciate that. And I think this game actually added in the new game plus mode. It has a mode which is like ultra realism or whatever. I don't, they have a word for it, right? Where I think pretty much every enemy is one shot and you're pretty much one shot. Really? I, I kind of like that. That's I'd be a fun... I'd like that to play. Just like That's, a, I wish more games had that option. Had that. Because the common thing is you have less health, they have more health. Yeah. I like the idea that everyone has less health. Like uh-huh. I wish even shooter games did that, right? Which is like... Which is, <laughs> do you think that comes through? Probably not. Right? No, I, I'm not picking it up. Incredible. Some people were honking their horns as well. Yeah. Um, but even shooter games, I think it'd be cool, which is like, if I shoot you once, you're dead because it's a gun. Yeah. But, but if you shoot me, I die. Like, I like that. So yeah, I'm curious to see how that's that very out. interesting. Um, but yeah, I love the, the force powers are crazy. Like, and there's, I think maybe it's going to factor into the story, but you can be pretty brutal. Like he's a Jedi, right? You're a mm-hmm. good guy or whatever. But like some of the things you do is like, you're fucking people up. Man. Oh, you're cutting off arms. And again, I, I think that the, the force combo, the force powers and like the lightsaber and stuff all combo together in really interesting ways. One of my favorite moves that they had in the last game, and then this is this is another big thing actually in terms of the gameplay, is that you start this game with everything that he knew in the last game by mm-hmm. the end and more, which is a big concern for people because being a Metroidvania style game, right? Um, the different areas that you can traverse are locked behind your progression, right? And the force power and stuff that you have, right? So there's a concern from people, which is like, are they going to start us from scratch again? Because across the whole first game, and this is also very tied into the story itself in, in an impactful way, I think. You have to unlock all those powers again, right? And so the idea that, like, what, are we going to start him from scratch? How does that how does that work? That would mm. be super unfulfilling from a gameplay perspective, from a story perspective. And the answer is no. Yeah. Virtually everything you could do in the last game, you start this game with, and then some, right? Yeah. He's better at wall running. He can jump higher. He has mind tricks. You didn't have mind tricks in the last game. Um, the only thing I think that they kind of, you could argue that they stepped backwards in that sense was that, in the first game, the Force Freeze was one of his primary abilities. Yeah. And it was used, you could use it all the time. And um, you could use it more for like, and they used it for puzzles and stuff. You do not have that in this game. It's like a charge up, like ultimate kind of ability in this one, right? But other than that, uh, I do like the idea that like, yeah, you start even more powerful. Like right off the bat from this game, it's like you're, you feel very, yeah, just very like a Jedi. It's yeah. awesome all the stuff you can do right off the bat. And again, the way you combo everything. One of my favorite ones, like I was saying, and you start the game with it, this one is like the pull a guy to you and then kill him. Oh, yeah, one hit. That's a true one hit. Yeah, that's, you just get him. It's great. That's, uh, it's super dope. And apparently the, the only sort of concern, I don't even thought that's the right word, that I had was like, I bet the story isn't going to be as great. Um, just because like, I do like that first story so much. And it's like, you can't do that again, right? Like it's yeah. going to be something completely different. But some of the views I said I saw said that this is like Star Wars storytelling at its best again. So if that's the case, then I'm I'm all here for it, man. I'm very very excited about this. I think I, I think this is probably gonna. I mean, I guess it depends. But but looking at what we've got so far and what we got coming up, I, this might be the best Star Wars thing this year, which is saying a lot. I mean, yeah, we had we had a lot. Even with what we got coming up, I think this is gonna take. I mean, like I said, Jedi Fallen Order is one of my favorite Star Wars things ever. You know, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. The only complaint I have, there's no. There's no difficulty achievements. They're not, there's no achievements, I don't think, that require you to play it again, which is only disappointing for me because I would like to play it again. Right. I probably will anyways, but still. <laughs> like the first one, it kind of disappointed me because like, like I said, I wanted to play it again. and like I, But I finished all the achievements, so I had less motivation to do so. 
Because you always do like, uh, that was always a thing where it's like, oh, if I do it on like the medium difficulty, then I can do it again on hard difficulty. But you can't, you don't do it with this game. Yeah. What's your more achievements, Jack? More I love hunting for those achievements. Oh, yeah, you love achievement hunting. I just got to fill your time before you die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I'll I'll get to it eventually. I gotta, I'll play the first one first. Yeah? You, then, you actually going to do it? You're going to commit? You're going to have to commit on the, on the pod. Say it out loud. Fine, I'll commit on the pod that I will. Because yeah, pl- now, for everyone else's benefit, this is a bit we do almost every week with something mm-hmm. or another. But oh yeah, I have been trying. It's not like this is out of the blue. Oh yeah, we could you could write a book of how many things I've been probably forced tooth and drive me kicking and screaming. Probably day one, like pretty much as soon as that game came out and I was playing it, I probably saw Jack that week and was like, Jack, you should play this game. I think you would like it. I know you play the Dark Souls games. I mean, I I'd never even played any of them at that time. I've still only ever played Elden Ring, but I knew everyone else was saying like, oh, it's the same mechanics and all that. And I told him that, and he was like, yeah. And that, again, for anyone who's, like, keeping track, it's been, like, four and a half years, so. Well, I, three and a half years, I guess. I bought my brother that game for Xbox for Christmas. So I, played it. I told you you could have mine. Then you ended up getting Game Pass, and it was free on there. You've had it. Uh, it's on my Xbox. Arguably, you've had it. Yeah, it's been on your Xbox for, like, years, I think. But probably literally two years now. So, yeah. it's just. And, again, it's not even, like, there's some things where I'll freely admit, right? There's things where we end up watching where you don't really like it. There's things that I make us watch that neither of us like yeah. that I probably didn't think either of us would like, right? Like when I made us go see Venom. Or like we went to see Shazam for whatever reason. Why the fuck would we do that? Who cares? Who cares? But this is one where I'm like, this is one of my favorite things ever. And I also don't see any reason you wouldn't also very much yeah. enjoy it. I, I mean, I like the, what I've played so far. But you were just like, nah. <laughs> it was fun making you man we were playing because there's a black mechanic. Refu- I refuse to use it. You need to do the black. I just You're kept I was... I, I, at a certain point, I was doing it just because you were like, well, hold on, stop. I was like, how can I do it? You can't. Um, you get the devil blade lesser like immediately, which Again, I think you start with. Yeah, which is great. And the and you get like you get like th- the, all the lightsaber stances you'd want immediately. You get single, double, and then after in the middle of the first boss fight, or no, in the third phase of the last boss, first boss fight, you get the separated dual, dual stance. Um, and there's two more, which are the cross guard one, which is like Kylo Ren's, right? And a gun. And a, and a blast a gun, which we knew from the trailer. Again, we talked about this in the teaser. I'm like, how's that going to factor in? Is it a gun? And it gets a gun. And it, sta- it all makes perfect sense. Like, I remember at the time, I, I was like, I can't even imagine how they're going to do it all. And it's like, oh, the guys who make games for a living, they figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> how are they even going to? F- oh, the people who are. Oh, the people who's job it is to do this will, will do it. Okay. Uh, I skipped the story a lot. Much to your chagrin. I was gonna, so that was the last thing I wanted to say is that, like, I may, I, I'm, I'm actually worried. I'm a little terrified that I'm going to get what I asked for here, and you're going to play the whole game, and then I'm going to be like, so what do you think of the story? And you're just going to be like, oh, I played the whole game, and I just skipped every cutscene. And that's that's actually going to upset me more than if you just <laughs> never played it. So no, I, I implore you I to think, watch the cutscene. I think I will, just just to have something to talk about, because we talk about it. We'll have to I tell you, it's, it's really good. You've, I, I'm sure like, it you is. You like Star Wars things. I do. Storytelling-wise, on occasion, you, you, you can get, and I've I'm telling known. you, this is a good one. So like, you should be like, oh, yeah, there's some good stuff in here. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll I'll sit there. I didn't the one I didn't well this time we played I skipped the cutscenes one to make you mad and annoyed which was fun but also because I wanted to get through it just yeah. so I could play as much as I could. Um, but I'll, I'll sit through them again. The only thing I'm gonna say is that like I, you might be kind of spoiled. Yeah, we, we set you up for disappointment here because by giving you the beginning of the first game, if you gotta go backwards now and do the you're gonna spend the whole first game or sorry we give you the beginning of the second game. I'll be like, now you're gonna spend the whole it. first game building up to that. Like you're gonna start as a little punk. You're like, oh, I can't do any of the cool shit yet. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, man, I really, I now I know what I. It's like I've loved and now I've lost. I yeah. really shouldn't have lived at all. <laughs> what the hell? This is. But terrible. I know what you built for. It'll be exciting. It'll be like you know, you want to get there. So 
And then I'll skip all the cutscenes. I just want to get there faster. <laughs> no. Give me the double-bladed lightsaber. You've worked against yourself. No, I'm I'll telling you, it's not hard. You, gotta, t- you just gotta know. Well, since, since I'll be, hopefully I'll be freed up this summer. A lot of time. Incredible. What you gotta do is you have to go to, you see, do the opening mission again. So it's like a cold open. And then you go to Pagano. And then you go to Zepho. And then you go to Kashyyyk. But if you go to, there's one thing, there's a weird thing you can do where if you come back to Pagano one of the times where they don't tell you to, but you can volunteer, like you can decide to, you can get the double blade early. It's, it's, a, it's a little hack. That's how I did it. You did, look at it. You figure I'm it. just gonna look it up. I'm, I, I want Someone this. will tell you. I did it accidentally. Just because I wanted to, because I'm like, again, it's one of those things where you unlock a new power, and then they want you to go to the new planet, but if you go back to one of the old planets and use your new powers, you can get to a new area that you didn't know about. That's how you get the double. There you go. I, I looked it up just so I can have it for later. Perfect. Anything else to say? Right, no, it's great. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Uh, I'll probably just, play the first fun. one. We can probably talk about the first one I finish, and then I'll play the second one. We'll talk about it's the second super one. super fun. If, if it doesn't take me all year, and we just wait till the end <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That is the thing. is This one's much bigger. Um. I mean, depending on how much you want to do or whatnot, I think you could probably finish the first game in like 15 hours. If oh, you, I could you probably pretty heavy to the, out pretty good. Pretty heavy to the story. Maybe even less. I don't know. Um, and I've heard similar numbers for this new one, but I don't even know how they could be in the same ballpark. Even if you do still just like run the story because there's mm. like eight planets or something. Like, I don't yeah. even know. I don't know any of them. I, I've done a good job. Like, that's one of the reasons I didn't like. We didn't talk about the trailers as well is because I stopped watching them. Um, so I don't even know what all the planets are. I mean, we knew about Coruscant. We knew about this main one, um, which is like the first planet. It's going to be like the hub world kind of. Oh, is it? Okay. But then, yeah, there's a number of other planets that I don't even know of. and should be exciting. I'm, I'm hoping to see some like, I'm sure there'll be new ones. I'm excited to actually see some returning ones as well, just because those can tickle your fancy. I doubt we'll get any, I wouldn't think we'd get any recurring ones necessarily, but we shall have to see. We shall. Yeah, it should be. The only thing is like, I do want to take my time and savor it so much, but then it's like, you know, the internet's just going to be rife with spoilers. Oh, you're it's never... such a weird... Video games are tough like that, right? Because it's a thing you have to play through. Mm. It's not just a thing you can sit down and watch in two hours. So there's some no-lifer who played it, who beat it all on Friday, right? And 100% on Ooh. Saturday, I was like, yeah. here's all the secrets and Easter eggs. That's and also all the game journalists yeah. who are like, here, I, I got it a month ago. Yeah, exactly. I just want to like play it at my own pace, but not have to worry about everyone telling me what happened. But Yeah. Huh, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. So I can take out of that now into our final topic, which is Barry episode three, right? That's correct. I don't remember the title of this episode. Shocker, I, I, I know. I did, but I, now I don't. Uh, see, I didn't even make up a fake one. No, I'm just kidding. I, I had it at one point, and then I was trying to think about it the other day after I'd watched it, and I was like, I don't remember what this episode is. It's, for, it's something someone says in the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, it always is. That's, let's us see. Let's us see. It's called You're Charming. <laughs> oh, perfect. So You're Charming, Jack. Thank you. Mr. Charming Young Man. Uh, so this episode is about Barry getting out of prison. Kind of. That's how it begins and ends. Uh, and all the people... Well, that's Barry's plot. Barry is talking... Ooh, actually, quite a bit happens in this one. It does. I'll start with Barry. He's the main character. So Barry is um, talking to the feds. Uh, he's talking to witness protection people to get Sally out with him. And... Uh, what does he do? Except that's the very end. I'm thinking the very end, but that's... Very, very. Who comes to talk to him? Uh, oh, the reporter. Yeah. Of Gene. The reporter comes and talks to him and is like, oh, Gene Kusno's writing. He's talking about you. What do you think? And he gets all mad and he like breaks the phone. He's like, Gene Kusno shouldn't talk about anything. Just leave me alone. Stop telling my story. Shut his mouth. He's like, oh. So you can publish this? He goes, absolutely. I'm going to publish this. I'm not going to not. It's uh, very fair. Um, and then everyone's trying to get this. A mad scramble to the reporter uh, because the lawyer's like, all right, Gene. Don't I know I talk, talk about Barry, but we're skipping right to Gene again. 
All right, Barry. All right, Gene. Do, don't talk to anybody. Keep your lips sealed. That'll be fine. He goes, well, I may have talked to Vanity Fair. So deal with that. It's a whole whole thing with him. It was a good episode, though, overall. Yeah, I think so. Now, his thing is that he, he learns from the reporter, Barry does, that Gene's talking about him. And then he wants to go to, what's his name? Hank, to have him assassinated, I guess. Yes. But then as we know from last episode, Hank's going to kill Barry. Hank thinks that Barry's trying to rat on him, which he is, <laughs> to be fair. Um, and I don't know, it's weird, like, I don't know what, I, I guess just learning that he ratted on him was enough to completely change him, because even last episode, he was still trying to be like, let's get Barry on board, mm-hmm. and now in their conversation here, he was like, I hate you, Barry, you're the worst, you're a narcissistic whatever asshole, which is not, yeah, he's not wrong. Hank kind of gives it to Barry. He really does. He's like, I'm just trying to be your friend the whole time, and you've never been my friend, like, I've only been nice to you. I'm a little weird and odd, but like. Yeah, and he's not wrong, like, this is a weird thing, like, I, I think I said this at one point, right, that like. Hank is one of the best guys in the show, yeah. <laughs> but he's like a, a mobster. A mobster. Um, but yeah, he's not wrong. Like, and that just should, yeah. Like Barry's like that's insane, right? To be like, hey, I know I'm currently ratting on you, but I'm gonna go ask him for help anyways. Like, yeah, most people wouldn't even like. I feel like couldn't even bring themselves to do something like that. Yeah, I have, I have the shame to not do that. Yeah, but even just he is like he just doesn't care. Like he really is kind of an asshole. Yeah, he's off for himself. Like we said, I guess we've said that before, but everyone in the show is kind of a narcissist on varying levels, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Um, but then that culminates with the witness protection thing happening, and he's like, all right, we're, I got, oh, is it, like, the FBI's in there, and the witness protection people are in there, and is it someone else? Whatever. They're, they're trying to get the deets, and Barry's like, oh, that guy's here to assassinate me. That's Fred Armisen. <laughs> it's Fred Armisen. That's good, right? He's That's funny. He's shaking and <laughs> quivering. <laughs> and he's like, so, so funny. I don't know why. I mean, I guess that's just a joke. Yeah, that's just the, just the weird hyper realism comedy absurdity of this show sometimes. But it's like, this guy's an assassin. What's he freaking out about? Yeah. <laughs> and he has like some kind of exploding pen thing that he's going to yeah. assassinate Barry with. But it just goes off, blows his fingers. <laughs> I know there's a <laughs> the guy the in, guys the in the ceiling. Because yeah. it's the two of them. Yeah. They have the podcast. <laughs> that was fun. Given the Toros in this episode. Yes. <laughs> um, arguing about podcasts. Yeah. It's awesome. Very funny. They do... um. He's like the head of the Guatemalans. And he's like, I'll send my best men. They have a podcast. He's like, what about the podcast? They record on Thursday. That's all right. <laughs> he's like, they do a gadget podcast, but I bought a stupid s'mores vest. <laughs> I bought a vest. I love that vest. I love the vest. It works fine. <laughs> it works great. It's like when Hank's like, he's a video. I don't like this. It's just audio because I can't see the gadget. I have to imagine the gadget. You go to YouTube. There's a link. Like, now I got to do that while I'm driving and I'm, I'm just, <laughs> it's just absurd because it's like, Hank, you're going to watch YouTube while you're driving anyways? Like, what do you mean? It's a podcast. What do you mean? Yeah, that just... defeats the whole purpose if you're trying to watch yeah. it the whole time. They can review the gadgets and not have a visual medium. Just Google the gadget, Hank. Yeah. Just Google it. Uh, but it was very... And then Barry ends up killing them. Killing both of them. Yeah, because they're bad and he's good. So and he then he escapes. Yeah, because they kill every, all the FBI guys in the room and then he just... I guess he gets, he gets out, so... Yeah. We were like, is this the kind of show where someone gets out of prison? And we thought, no, but shit, I guess we were yeah. wrong. I guess it's like the most logical way that could have happened because they took him out. Yeah, it's all right. They, they, they it's took not him- like I did a prison break. Yeah. In the traditional sense. I mean, I guess it's kind of crazy that they managed to get those guys in the prison, but whatever. Don't worry about it. Yeah. They're not like deep in. They're like yeah. on the outskirts. And he also just didn't get away with it, right? Yeah. They didn't break him out. I mean, even... I guess we wouldn't know, but it feels like even the concept that like they would actually let him out with it, I, I feel like they're just leading him along, maybe. Right? Do you actually get away with doing a bunch of murders because you cooperate? I don't maybe know. if you give him a bigger fish. I don't know how big of a fish they're going to give him. Well, because like, all the bad shit Hank ever did was pretty much Barry. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you really who- boil it down, it's like, 
What did Hank even do? He like had Barry kill like a bunch of different people at different occasions. Yeah, and then Barry killed all the people in the monastery. He killed all of them. That was all just him apropos of nothing. So mm-hmm. they yeah. might give him a pass because they were all like mob and like organized crime. They're like, all right, well, this guy killed the organized See, crime. Even then, though, I don't know. That's true. I don't know how much pass do you get if you're trying to kill people they don't like. That's what I'm saying. We should try. I'll kill a mob guy. See what see what I get. But then Kusanau, right? He meets up with the with Moss's dad. And he, Moss's dad realized, oh, because the reporter comes to interview him. Yeah, and he's he like, realizes what's kind of my garage. And he tortures him in the garage, I guess. He makes him speak, speak ger- He buries him underground. No clue how that works. You, how you make someone he broke him in. Learn, bur- uh, learn German somehow, but okay. There you go. I mean, that's just too absurd and funny, I guess. Right? Yeah. So that's interesting. I don't know how that's going to play out, but now, now he knows that Kusanau was like just making, you know, stuff up. Trying to get fame and fortune off of it. Mm. Uh, what else? Okay, so then Sally, right? Sally takes over Kusano's class and is teaching it for the first time. And it's like, you all know me as this spoiled, a tiled cunt girl. Like, who's here for that? Only one person is. And they all kind of validate her. They're like, you know, everybody gets mad sometimes. You know, I think they totally overblew it. And Sally's like, these guys got it. And they're like, all right, I don't want to do the theory stuff. So let's just do some warm up and get into scenes. And they're doing their scenes. They're all just doing scenes from movies. And um, this one, this like taller blonde woman goes up. And says some uh, Orson Welles line because he's a fat man. That the pictures he didn't get too big. The pictures got too small, which just means he ate too much. Orson Welles is a fat drunk man who made one kind of good movie a hundred a hundred years ago. A <laughs> hundred years ago he made I'm, that movie. I know. Infuriating. <laughs> Infuriating. Well, but we're not doing Citizen Kane rant right now. <laughs> one day we'll do it. We, we watched Citizen Kane. Well, I've seen it, but Zach has. Anyway. I don't want to watch Citizen Kane, Jack. I think I'm all right. I watched. A, I saw a clip just really out of nowhere. Um, I watched a clip of him the other day. I saw it on, think I, I think on TikTok, where someone was like, how did you get them to make that movie with complete control? And he was just like, I didn't I didn't want to make it. And that's why they wanted me. It's, it, there's something, and I'm oh. paraphrasing. I think I saw another clip where it was like, there was some, it was another, I think it's probably the same kind of your thing, where he's just like, he was like, well, what? They, they're telling you, you can't do this stuff. He goes, you can learn all about movies in a day and a half. <laughs> Anyone can make movies. They're keeping it from you. My cameraman. And he like says the camera. Because he's like from the 20s. So he like, it's that kind of thing. He's like, my cameraman, Ralph DiMaggio, the greatest cameraman ever lived. I went to him and he said, I want to make a movie because you don't know how to make a movie. You do things they don't think you can. And he taught me in a day and a half. And I know it all. They're hiding it from you so they can keep all the movies. It's like, thanks, Orson Welles. Jesus Christ. This is for the vocation. Like the vocation wasn't there. <laughs> they didn't want it. He's like, I, they say they want you to court them, but if you don't court them, then they'll court you. It's, it's something to that effect. It's that kind of idea. But where he was just like, I want to complete control, and they knew they couldn't. And so when they know that they couldn't hold that over me, then they well, then they came to me. I don't know. It's, it's absurd. It's like the old man thing of like, I walked in and I said, <laughs> "Give me a job," and I shook his hand, and then I got a job. I am Muxy, and I was white too. I forgot to mention that part. I was white. <laughs> it was the forties, <laughs> and I had money. Good for Orson Welles. But she goes up and she does the bit, right? She does the thing from I don't know, is that season one? Yeah, it is, right? Yeah. When uh, Kusano yells at her and everything, and then she like does the scene because she's fucking sobbing. Yeah, very ups- actually real like upset about what he was saying to her, and then she's like, "Look, see, like I have to get that out of you. Don't you get it?" And they're all like, um, rightly horrified, I would say. And they're like, like a real humans should be, not like the characters were in the show. Because, mm. yeah, it's no no reason to do that. Like this whole idea, his whole concept, right? Like, oh, you need to do the. I don't think we ever like went into it, but the whole idea of like you need to really be emotional to to act. 
That's not acting then. No. We kind of talked about it with Barry, but like this idea that like, yeah, you need to actually like upset yourself with like real life trauma and memories in order to bring yourself to that place. Act. It's like, that's crazy. You yeah, don't have some, to do that. Yeah. And then they're all just like, you're abusive and terrible. And then they all leave, except for the one girl. Cause she's like, well, you know, I've been to a bunch of acting classes. No one's ever got me emotional and I got a big job. So I need you to help me. She got one student. Um, yeah, it's again. Sally is continuing the cycle of abuse in one way or another, which I think is very interesting. Uh, and Kuzino, I, I do kind of like that he's still a shitty person, even though he had that little reform. Yeah, that it, his his character flaw, like he's not like a pure like I'm only good. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just like I'm good now, but I gotta I'm falling into my old traps because a man isn't threatening me at, with guns anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I like to see when they break into the guy's house. That was pretty good. That's fun. Um, that it's a, no, it's all in the monitor. We have to destroy the monitor. <laughs> you see him throw the monitor into the pool. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm Gene Cousineau. Let me have a talk with you. That's so Yeah, I, I thought that was hilarious. He's like, no, it's in the monitor. It's all stored <laughs> in the monitor. And obviously, it's not. But no. Very good. It's very funny. Uh, also, you see that um, Gene Moss can do terrible things to him. He's put him in the trunk again. Yeah, what the fuck? I think he buried him in the trunk with dirt. I think he... I think that's what it was, because he's cleaning out the trunk when he gets there. He's like, you don't talk to anybody for a long time. Which I thought he killed him. I thought he killed <laughs> no, him, too. He didn't kill him. He which shows him. Jim Moss, just crazy. Just a yeah, unhinged no, He's awful. not a good guy. That's no. not okay to do th- to people. Just because they have a story about you. Yeah, come on. That's insane, right? You can't do that to a reporter. Yeah. Like, right. whatever, Barry, or even maybe Gene, I guess, but also, like, weird. But yeah, with the, he's, he's, he's pretty unhinged. I don't know. Something's got to happen to him, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. He's got to get something, I feel like. I, he can't just keep, like, torturing everyone and getting away with it, I guess. Mm. So he's gonna. He's got to meet someone who's his match at some point, maybe. Or maybe just not. Who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who can even say? Um, I think... I wonder what happened with Jim. I hope Jim gets arrested, too. Because, like... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I'd hope that. Maybe come up where he gets... Go, he does something drastic and goes to prison. I don't know. I guess... I'm, I'm really surprised that they got Barry out of prison here and... Uh, Episode three, like we got most of the season ahead of us still, so I don't know where it's going. Because like Sally's got this thing, which is like a real like you know thing for her, I guess. Whatever mm-hmm. that I don't know what form that would take, really, but I don't know. Because she's like, it's a big part. I need your help, but it's one scene. Yeah. She also says, so it's like, what, what kind of how much money is flowing from this thing? Where it's like you can afford to like hire someone to coach you. I don't know. I mean, what else does Sally have going on? She do- nothing. She so, lost her show. Yeah, the she implication is kind of like. This is gonna be like my thing for the time being, but like, yeah, how much, how much income does something like that provide? But whatever, not much. But that's gonna be disrupted pretty quickly if Barry like shows up next episode, which is like, I let's would, go, Sally. Yeah, I assume is what's gonna happen. Well, then maybe he's gonna go fight the other guys, though. Yeah, like his first stop might be to like fuck up the Guatemala man. So we'll see. I don't know. We gotta see where fucking what's his name Fuchs ends up. Fuchs. He did the same thing again, just like. I do get a little sick of that. I can't believe we did it again. I mean, first two episodes we did that, though, really. Yeah. Like, like, Barry, I love you. I can't turn on you, Barry. Barry, I hate you. You're I'm turning on you immediately. Kill him. But then in this, there was this episode, the two, he was like, oh, I can't let them kill Barry. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? What the fuck, Fuchs? Like, that's crazy. What are you, what are you on about, man? Yeah. I, mean, I wonder if we'll get more Barry backstory. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should. We get a little bit of it every, every season, right? So Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think he'll go to Hank first because he was because because they've tried to take a hit out on him, mm-hmm. and he's like the best assassin. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. At least the best assassin they know. 
And then, oh, Hank's, Hank's got to go up against the other oh, the the Chechens yeah, the, the are back. But also, I thought it, I think it'd be funny if the resolution was just like, man, we're just doing sand. And they'd be like, oh, you're just, oh, you're just doing sand? Like, you're not like, he's like, no, no, we're not even competing. We, we, we don't need to, we're not even going to sell any heroin or anything. And they'll be like, yeah, oh, okay. You can have all the heroin, we'll just do the sand. Oh, well, if you're just doing sand, then. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> not really competing then. Yeah, in that gonna, case. We're going to become legitimate, so you can still do the illegitimate stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, great. that's great, actually. That's, I'm glad we did this. Uh, what else? I think pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like the joke um, when Gene's talking to his lawyer, his agent, and he's like, he's going to hunt me down. And he's like, no, no, only ex-military people can hunt you down. <laughs> I've, I've done a lot of cases like this, and we've only ever lost a couple. To ex-military. He is ex-military. Oh, well, I can't talk about it. Oh, is it, is it classified? No, it's just very upsetting. I don't like <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> of course, people are dead. That guy was funny. Yeah. I wonder if I do want to see them go to trial, maybe. But now that Barry's not on the run, I don't know if they'll have yeah, that. I don't think it's that kind of show, is it? No, not gonna She Hulk. Yeah, if we did a, tr- a court scene, there's like episodes. Multiple. I mean, I know you said that earlier, but I, I don't know. Keep, Thinking about it more, it doesn't seem like the type of show that would do a courtroom yeah. type scenario. I think it. W- I think they could have like a bunch of wacky like actor characters come up and just be stupid in front of like real people which could be fun or barry be like a weird monster but i don't know how long how much i how much you how much mileage you can get out of that yeah that's the thing right uh, man no it's fine it's fine continues to be all right oh yeah again this one did have a lot going on it was, it was kind of an interesting episode with all the developments so overall i'm enjoying it just fine yeah. all right how you how you feeling about barry i'm feeling pretty solid excited yeah, for this good. yeah last season's a good show i right, probably Finish up right here then? Yeah, I think so. Perfect. Well, I can check out of this into the end. As always, thanks so much for listening. You can always find us every week wherever you find your podcasts. As you listen to it right now, you'll find it again. Uh, you can always contact us with any comments, questions, concerns, recipes, jokes, anecdotes uh, on Twitter at Akatech Jazz. That's J A Z. On Instagram at The Akatech Podcast. And, then, and at Gmail at Akatech Jazz at gmail.com. Our intro was done by a friend of the show, Celery Salt. You can always find him on Spotify and SoundCloud. And our logo was done by a friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Say goodnight to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night. And Godspeed.